This episode of You Talking You Too to Me is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code BONO at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. From boy to breaking wave, every last one of them that is, this is you talking you two to me, the comprehensive and encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. This is good rock and roll uh, music. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Episode 22. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And uh, we're back. We're we back, are. baby. We're, we're back uh, pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, I yeah. Say. The last episode was a few weeks back. Yeah. And a few, few weeks yonder. In the rear view. Sorry, I've just been spending a lot of time in the South. Oh, really? Have you? Yeah. The American South? No, uh, the, southern, the South Pole? The southern part of my house. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's the only place where you're allowed to say the word yonder? Yep, and that's just how people speak down there. It's crazy. I pick up, <laughs> I roll my own cigarettes now. What are, what are, this, what are the uh, people like down there? They, well, they say yonder and they roll their own cigarettes. That's all they do. Really? So, and, and this is primarily your family, your two kids? Yeah, and this small man named Jack. He lives in the southern part of my house. He and does. he just sits there in a corner rolling cigarettes going, yonder, 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 interesting. yonder. What an interesting fellow. He's a, cool. A roommate. Well, <laughs> he's play. not allowed to be there. I'm the only one that knows about him. <laughs> Wait, are you the only person who sees him? Yes. Okay. Like yeah. if you came over and I was like, here's Jack, you would say, there's nothing there, mm-hmm. but I know he's there. Interesting. I'm finally realizing after 22 episodes that you are certifiably insane. I'm crazy. <laughs> okay, good. How have you been able to hide it from all of your co-stars over the years? Well, Jack uh, was on the Parks and Rec set <laughs> every day. Was he a main character? He was, well, he and uh, Polar were the main characters of that show, but mm. nobody knows that except me. Okay, interesting. Well, uh, as we've said, uh, we are Scott's. And across from me, we have, of course, Adam Scott, you know, from uh, uh, Parks and Cree. <laughs> Parks and Jack. <laughs> Parks and Jack. And introduce me. Give me. Give the people who have never heard an episode a little bit of an intro of me. Ladies and gentlemen, sitting across from me is a man who is on television, a man who is on shows, a man who has hands. His name is Scott. Yes! That is both of us. Okay, you may know me from Comedy Bang Bang. If this is the first we time you ever- We both have hands. We both have hands. You know me from having hands. You know what? But that's sort of insensitive to the people who don't have hands out that's there in true. the world. You know? So but also, on. I'm not on a show, so you're the only one between us who's currently on a show. That's true, uh, but you probably have reruns of your show out there, right? Sure. There are reruns. Getting some of those sweet zids? <laughs> Getting the zids from the Esquire channel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's great to be back. I got to say, very special episode. Uh, I believe people are going to really enjoy the content of this episode. Um, we're, we're back so soon. Why, you say? Well, I mean, we've had some really interesting things happen to us. Something big happened. Something 
big. Okay, in the world, in the context of you talking you two to me, the podcast, sure. we're, we both – oh, before we get – uh, started here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I just really quickly say hi to a few people? Yeah, please. No, I, okay. I would love that. Okay. Uh, thanks, Scott. Sure, Scott. I would like to say hi to, I would like to say hello rather to my friends. I would like to say hello to my family. Hmm. I would like to say hello to my fans. Hmm. I would like to say hello to all of the people. All of the people. You could have just started there. Shut up for a second. Okay. In the world. Every single person. Okay. I would like to say hello. And I would would like to say hello to you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I mean, you included me in all the people of the world. No, but you're – I get a special What I meant was all the people in the world except you. Oh, right. Uh, How about animals? Where do you stand I would like to say hello to all of the animals, especially the lion who is – murdered by the dentist that's right that was pretty cool right (laughs) (laughs) that dude rules (laughs) what a great guy what a great guy i you know what my wife is from minnesota Uh i gotta look him up you should next time you're in minnesota what a chill bro he seemed you know what i mean all the all the bullshit all the bullshit should we have done should we have done it who cares who cares who cares he seems like Pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy. Have I they like found him yet? Oh, they should. We, just, we should. You know what? Let's just say this is an open invitation for him to come on, you talking you two to me, and, and tell us what he thinks about you two. Yeah. This is, we would love to have your first post all of this hubbub interview where you just tell us when was the first time you've heard of you two. Exactly. Because <laughs> after, after today, I think people will probably want to come. On our show. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that would be a bigger interview than what we have coming a little later. I think you might be right. So it's it's a big, big, something big happened, and we all know what it is. The Entourage movie came out. Yep. Which means it's time for an episode of Talking About Turtle. Hey, this is Scott. And this is Scott. And today we're just talking about Turtle. Oh, man, Turtle. We- Wait, you you been blue turtling lately? Been is this an episode of blue turtling? I think it might be. Hey, this is Scott, and this is Scott. We're just blue turtling today. Oh, man, I blue turtled all the way over here. Oh, I bet you did in my car. (laughs) That's the best place to do it, in my opinion. I was blue turtling in the shower the other day, and my wife came in. I was like, "Uh oh, did you did you blue turtle all over the floor of the shower? (laughs) I'm all over the ceiling, my friend. Ah! I dripped down to the floor. Oh, Jesus! Well, this has been blue turtling. Bye. Good app. Great app. So, uh, yeah, uh, Turtle was really good in that movie. He was great. You Dating know, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey got in the ring with her. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, also- he wanted to put a ring around her finger. Instead, he goes into the ring with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She or- You know, the, the thing that really blew my mind was when she ordered him a uh, an Uber. Yeah. It was like, oh, shit. So cool. So cool. Uh, do you so th- cool. Do you think they paid Uber to use- to use their name in the movie? Either that or they got permission because you have to clear stuff you like that. You always have to. Legally, you have to clear stuff. Yeah, I don't want to get all into the legalese of filmmaking. Wait a minute. Here. Is this an episode of the legalese of filmmaking? I think you're right. <laughs> hey, welcome to the legalese of filmmaking. This is Scott. And this is Scott. 
And uh, what are your favorite Legalese movies? Well, I love Legal Eagles. <laughs> Legal e- Wait, is this an episode of Legal Eagles? I think it is. Hey, welcome to Legal Eagles. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And uh, we're just talking about Legal Eagles. The uh, Who's in that movie? Robert, Robert Redford, Redford. Daryl Hannah, Deborah Winger. It, sure. The list goes on. It goes on to include everyone who was in that movie. All the people that acted in that movie are on a list somewhere. <laughs> Santa's list. Yes, pertaining to the cast of that and film. And you know what he does? He checks off nice, 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 yeah. nice, nice. Every year, because Legal Eagles is the best movie of all time. Ever. 1986, all of them got great Christmas presents because Santa Claus loves that movie. Legal Eagles! See it now in theaters. Oh, good app. Great app. So uh, we're uh, we're still in the middle of legalese. Now, yeah, I don't want to get all caught up in the legalese of films. Okay, like good. We should end the episode then. Okay. Good app. Great app. Yeah. So. Yeah, turtle. Uh, turtle. You know, Jerry Ferraro is really slimmed down, as we all know. Sure. He used to be like. Two turtles, and now he's like a normal turtle. Just one turtle, and he looks great. He looks great. Great in the movie. Mm-hmm. Nice gentleman, from what I understand. Super nice guy. Great podcast. Jerry Ferraro, we should get him in here. We should get him in here to talk about the first time he ever heard of you, too. And we need him to be a guest on Talking About Turtle. And Blue Turtle in as well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Talking About Turtle. Bye. <laughs> Good app. Great app. Wow. Some good stuff there. So that well, that was really big. We just we thought we should come back and talk about that. Yep. Yeah. And then uh oh. whatever. What else? Well, let's Wait. See. Should we also talk about um what? The interview that we did with you two? Who? Um the band U2, there's um the rock and roll band, there's Rock and Roll. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, stop right there. Rock and roll? What is that? It's a it's a form of music. It was sort of invented in the 50s. It came from blues, R&B, kind of all mixed them together. Like rockabilly music, do you mean? Yeah. Like that, well, hillbilly that was, kind of Well, stuff? it was a mixture of hillbilly music, of country music, of uh, R&B music, okay. of blues music. You kind of, they melded them all together in the, like, Early okay. mid fifties. Uh, it's ringing a, a bell. Do you have you ever heard of like? Scott, that's the beginning of it. What they did was they took old blues riffs and kind of sped them up and put a faster beat. There you go. You're on to something. That's it. That's rock and roll. I like it. I like it. Remember in Back to the Future when Marty McFly, my favorite movie, Back to the Future. Wait, is this an episode of I Love Films? I think it is. Hey, welcome to I Love Films. This is Scott. And this is Scott. We're talking about great films like Back to the Future. Ah, Back to the Future. Listen, Back to the Future is a movie that came out in 1985. Yep, 30 years ago. And you know who's the star? Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis plays a really stuffy judge. Uh, I don't think he's a judge. Yeah, he's a judge in the in the <laughs> Battle you, of the Bands competition. Okay, but do you think his his actual <laughs> his actual job was a judge? Well, he's probably a, a counselor at the school or something. But for the moment, he's judging. He's adjudicating things. He's yes, he is adjudicating who gets into the Battle of the Bands. Okay, contest. certainly. And he was coming off the success of sports. Hey, Scott. 
<laughs> Adam is holding up a picture of a dick and balls with an, a word balloon saying, give me a break. Ah, oh, that says it all right there. All right, this has been I Love Films. Bye. Great up. Great up. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so rock and roll. Rock and roll. There is a take band. me through it. Elvis. Elvis Presley. Then uh, there's like Chuck Berry. Mm. Again, Back to the Future. Marvin Berry told Chuck Berry. Oh, I know Marvin Berry. The- He's related to someone named Chuck? Yeah. Chuck Berry was his cousin. He's Marty Marvin, McFly. Marvin Berry sang Earth Angel at this yes, dance. Yes, Earth Angel. Okay, great. Marty McFly sang Johnny Be Good. Mm-mm, mm-mm, uh, Marvin mm-mm. Berry. I wasn't ready for that. Well, Chuck Berry My wasn't kids might love it. Yeah. <laughs> Will you let me talk? <laughs> Sorry. Um, but the weird thing is Chuck Berry didn't seem to really know Marvin Berry that well because he had to remind him, this is like, your cousin, cousin Marvin, Marvin Berry. Like he said Marvin, Marvin Berry. They're like, not on first, uh, first name basis. Yeah, it wasn't like he was like, hey, he knows his phone number. By memory, because they they certainly, if he did not know it by memory, they would have included an insert shot of him rifling through his wallet to look for this the this little strip of paper that his cousin wrote his number on. Exactly, and we all know they didn't have strips of paper in the fifties. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Anyway, so rock and roll. I get okay, it. rock and roll. There's a band that has been around since the late seventies called U two, and uh-huh. there are four guys in the band. Uh-huh. Who do we got? There's Bonobos. Bonobos, of course. Fedge. Fedge. Adam Clay, 2,000 pounds. Great. And the drummer. Uh, Do, like who goes, boom, boom, boom. Yes. With drumsticks. Oh, not his mouth. Okay. Um, and his name is Larry Mullen Sr.'s son. Oh, okay. No, I know this band. Yeah, four guys. Hugh, too. And also New York City. That's a character in it, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, New York City is a character in everything. Okay, right. So, so this band Hugh Two, yes, we, we talked to them. We talked to them last week. All four guys. And wait a minute, wait a minute. Monday didn't happen on Monday. No, it was on. It was on. How do you not remember this? It was on Wednesday. Wednesday. This is ringing a bell. Hump day. Yeah, Scott. Wednesday. Hump day. You and okay. Hump day. Thank you. You and I got on airplanes. Yes, and we flew. We flew to New York City. The character, the character in in uh, Sex, Sex in, in the, the City. city. Uh, it's a character in Manhattan in, in uh, Harry Met Sally. Certainly, mm, certainly Manhattan. Oh, Annie Hall. It's a character in every. It's a character on uh, one of U 2s albums. Oh right, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, I remember this. And so, so we we touched down. And then we went. Okay, in. you want me to take you through? Yeah, we touched down. We we were on separate airplanes. That's true because we, <laughs> for the safety of the you talking you two to me podcast, should one of us perish, yeah. the other needs to take up the slack. We had to carry on. We always have. In fact, we're not even recording this in the oh, same no. city, just in case the world ends, yeah. or at least Los Angeles is wiped off the map. Mm-hmm. One of us is in Antarctica right now, <laughs> of course, with all those research scientists. Uh, so yeah, we went and we talked to those guys. That's, we did. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? No. Actually, I feel like we should just end the episode now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because who's interested in that? No one. Actually, maybe no one except us. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So that's what we're going to do in this episode then. We're going to play the tape of when we went out 
to New York City and we met you two and we talked to all of them. For like an hour. For an hour. Over an hour. Yeah. We're going to do that. They sat down with us for an hour and like 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. And even longer with what happened afterwards, which is which is very, very interesting. That was like an extra half hour. Yeah. That was insane. And, and, and we'll talk about it, but was not supposed to be a, an extra half hour and turned into a half hour. So what we have today is Scott and Scott. Talking to all four members of U2 about themselves, about us, about this podcast, about what podcast they would do if they ever had a podcast. We run the gamut of questions from the nerdy to the incisive to the touching. We talk to you two about it all in their most bare all confessional interview yet. And we are freaked out the whole time. <laughs> yes. We have audible <laughs> nerves. Nerves the entire <laughs> episode. Let's talk about just briefly how it came about. Now, in our last episode, we were talking about uh, Laura, their publicist. Yeah, the who, lovely Laura. The lovely Laura, uh, although that has no bearing on her abilities as a publicist. Uh, no. Although she may use some of her feminine wiles to get what she wants every once in a while. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but uh, Laura, is Laura's terrific. awesome. Laura's awesome. Uh, she is the one who reached out to us about coming to see the show. Right. And about our our uh, one-on-one meetings right. with, uh, with Adam and with, with uh, Bonobos. And um, we, after that meeting, we were riding high and we said, wow, we did it. We talked to Bono. Uh, that's, prob- that's probably all we need, right? And we were ready to go to our graves. That's right. It was a great little interaction. Mm-hmm. And he had the perfect little sound bite. sound bite for us, and it was really fun. But we said, you know, we didn't record it. Yeah, and we were kind of thinking for a while, like, I wonder if we could get them on, the, like, for reals, get them on the show. For real. We started this show just wanting to talk about them, but pretty early on, you know, we, we figured out they should just come on the show and talk to us. All we would need, we've talked about it on other episodes, all we would need is about two, three hours of their time, mm-hmm. including setup. That includes them setting up their own microphones. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll include that in the setup. Right. But all we need is like two or three hours of their time, and we'd need some merch, man. Right. Specifically. Fucking t-shirts, Fucking bro. t-shirts. But we never totally seriously thought. That was something that was in the cards. No, we when Laura reached out to us about coming to the show, we were blown away that they even would even want to say hi to us, right? Or that they even knew what the podcast was, right? Or that they knew what a podcast was, <laughs> or that they knew what you know the Earth is. But then we once, don't know what they know. Once that happened, we just sort of thought, well, should we at least try to get this going? And and I remember you and I were talking about it, like they. They kind of reached out a little bit, but then haven't reached out since. Should we just should we do a follow up? Should we just pitch the 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 idea of them coming on the show? Batter up! And so we sent an email, mm-hmm. um, just we, saying. You, well, we all have email. We all know what this is. Email. It's on your phone. Some sure. people have it on their phone. Sure, sure. Some, Some people have it on what? A computer. A computer. Uh, sorry, a Turing machine. Sh- sure. Um, <laughs> iPads iPads, iPhones, I don't know anymore. Uh, and iWatch? iWatch? And famously introduced right after you, Q2. Q2's new record. So uh, we reached out via email. Laura sent back a pretty cryptic email saying, Wednesday, New York City, 7 p.m., be there. 
Yeah. Whoa, 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 what? Well, I think before that, it was even like, I think that's a great idea. Let me sure, sure, bring sure. it up. But it's a better story if she yeah, just okay, writes okay. back. <laughs> okay, sure. So we get the, a day and a time, and we're like, how do we get to New York City? How does one do that? Right. What do we, we do? I, and, I don't know we, how to do this. We started asking Laura, like, how do, how do, do we walk? Do we, do we walk ride there? unicycles? What do we how, do? If we started walking now at about 110 miles an hour, we could probably get there by Wednesday. But that is impossible, Scott. Right. We can only walk probably 35, 50 miles an hour. Right. Well, you walk 50 miles an hour because you have longer legs. Sure, yeah. You walk, walk 49. 30, uh, 49 miles an hour. Yeah. So we, we've, you know, they explained to us about the Wright brothers, all that kind of stuff. And uh, a man we, can- This took three days just to explain. Yeah. And also we watched The Aviator in which- yeah. You starred in. Yeah, I was in and that you, movie. You didn't even know about no. airplanes. And I didn't even know I was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I, I was happy with it and it with must, my work. must have been a thrill to work with Marty. It was great. You know, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> As he likes to be called. Well, that's what people call him. Mm-hmm. Um, Dumb I, people. The only thing is I don't know. I don't remember being in the movie. So I didn't know I was in it. Oh, okay. So you have no memory of all I this. still don't know that well, I'm in it. Was that, Did you ever see when you were watching The Aviator, did you ever see that guy who sang Yonder and rolling his own cigarettes? Oh, he was there the whole time. He was <laughs> – In every scene? Yeah, he was – uh, perched up on top of Video Village. <laughs> okay, interesting. So uh, we finally figured out how to get to New York City. We spent an inordinate amount of money to get out there. <laughs> Literally thousands of dollars to get there at the last minute. Uh, and uh, we were told, this is what we were told. Can you do it at Electric Ladyland Studios? Yeah. Which is also known as Elect- Electric Lady. Yeah. We, I couldn't yeah. tell what the official title was. I think it's kind of both, maybe. Kind of both. Okay. So we were but told- So cool, yeah. because that is a an historic recording An studio. historic. An historic. An historic. But a very beautiful place. Beautiful place. Jimi Hendrix built it brick by brick himself. In between guitar licks. A lot of and uh, beautiful place. We uh, so so we both got there. We bo- we got there Wednesday morning, both of yes. us, and with a few hours to spare between uh, getting there and the interview, we're both freaked out of our lives. Yeah, we walk into Electric Electric Ladyland Studios and we see a big painting of a topless woman. That sets me at ease. Yeah, because I'm thinking rock and roll, sex. Just had some drugs in here. You got a Dennis Leary special. Rock and roll. You know bro. what I mean? We did. We walked in and you're like. Check that out, bro. <laughs> it was just like a big painting of a beautiful naked lady. Um, so we got down there and uh, we met the uh, the team of people who were going to be assisting in the recording, uh, the people from Electric uh, Ladyland Studios, the people from Earwolf New York City. And uh, we sat there waiting and we had about – we had about half an hour. I yeah, think. we got there early. We got there early because we wanted to make sure. They were right on time, but we, were, we just got exactly there Exactly on time. We wanted to just acclimate ourselves to the space, make yeah. sure everything we was We were cool. nervous. We're freaking out. How and did you feel? I was freaking out, and especially in that studio, because I've seen pictures of them recording there. They recorded a good portion of Songs of Innocence in the very room we were set up in. Mm-hmm. And I took a bunch of pictures of you just waiting around. <laughs> we should post those. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a couple of you just waiting around as well. Um, and we were, like, there are instruments everywhere. Like, it's... Yeah, there it, are guitars tuned up and drums there and a little sound booth and yeah. a piano just sitting there. Everything just waiting for, like, people to stroll in and start going, yeah. and we asked, like, who's recording here now? And they were a little, I, I they were 
like cagey about. Yeah, it. They I don't didn't think they're allowed. It, in case so. we were like like going to show up the next day and try yeah. to interview someone. <laughs> um, but they were all really nice and uh, really nice, and we were just kind of alternatingly getting up and walking around nervously, and yep. then sitting and going down. and peeing. Yeah, and each time one of us would go. P, the other one was just hoping that you two wasn't going to walk in in the middle of, and we were yeah. going to be alone. Or I, while I was in the bathroom, I was like, I hope the edge doesn't walk in and I have to meet him in here. Like, it would be weird. Right, like meeting him at the next urinal. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, buddy. Um, yeah. So, so we waited around about a half an hour or one hour that had been halved. Sure. It's, if you take an hour, you cut it in half, you got a half hour. There you go. Why not? Why not cut it in half sometimes? So uh, we were waiting around, and uh, you know, we we kept getting word. Uh, you know, they're ten minutes away; they're almost here. Right. Um, Which was like, we're you're early. It's not like we're wait. You know. Yeah, they didn't have to tell us that. Yeah, that was so nice. I thought that was the nicest thing of the, the, the nicest thing, thing anyone has ever done for me. <laughs> so they they suddenly walk in. Yeah, all four of them. All four dudes. All four dudes, and they meet us. Couldn't have been nicer blokes. Yeah. Uh, the what lovable you, lads what, from what Liverpool. Because the edge walked in first. What yep. What were you thinking? Like, what was going through your head at that like, moment? God, I don't want to make an asshole out of myself. Yeah. That's all. The entire experience yeah. was just that. Like, yeah. I sound stupid. I look stupid. Yeah. I am stupid. <laughs> I, 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 fe- this is what I thought would happen. I thought that after a couple of minutes of sitting there, the enormity of the moment would dissipate and it would start feeling totally comfortable and fine. But what I f- what actually happened was the enormity of the moment only grew. It grew and grew and, and we sounded stupider and stupider yes, as the we, thing we went really on. did. We've I, listened to it back uh and, and look, I've I've had a lot of in in my wonderful career. Yeah. I've had a lot of uh moments where I've met some of my heroes, some yeah. of my idols, people that have inspired me to to create, and people like uh, President Barack Hussein Obamacare. Yes. Uh, and you always try to keep it together because you have a job to do. And yes. I have people on the couch on Comedy Bang Bang every single week that I love and admire. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm pretty good most of the time yeah. just keeping it prof. Yeah. Keeping it fesh. Profesh. You know? Just, uh, you know, even keel, hey, we got a job to do. It's really nice to meet you. I'll tell you that the times that I've been most nervous are the Pee Wee Herman or Paul Rubin's interview early on in Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. I had been trying to – I think what it is, the longer you try to get something going, the more enormous it it seems to you. I was trying to get that Pee Wee Herman interview going for two and a half years. Did he do it as Pee Wee Herman? No, he did it as Paul. Okay. He did the TV show as Pee Wee Herman. And I was way more comfortable then because I had – I had built up the previous thing so sure. much that it was like, don't fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have you have to talk to this person whose work you so admire. Don't sound stupid. Yeah. Ask incisive questions. And so you can hear me in that interview, I think, being pretty audibly nervous. Uh-huh. Um, the Obama thing, I handled really well. I yeah, was just, and you didn't have to interview him, but you had to handle everything. I had to handle it and, and talk to him about how it was going and give him direction and yeah, all that kind of stuff. And tell him to like, maybe do another take. Do another take. All sorts of stuff that was like, I I just was in the moment of, got to get your job done, got to get your job yeah. done, and, and was fine. Yeah. And then meeting him the second time was maybe a little more like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And you hope you don't say something stupid. But this was probably 
the biggest one for me. Yeah, and I think part of it was that it was all of them. I feel like even if it was just Bono and The Edge, it would have been less intense. There was something right. about just the U2 is here. Yeah, they're the, all at a table. And looking at us. Looking at us and expecting us to be interesting. And yeah. in, as far as you and I are concerned, probably wondering, what is this and why are we doing this? Yes. Why um, did Laura rope us into yeah. this? And let me just tell you, that was not how they acted in the least. No, they were so cool. And uh, if not, if they hadn't listened to the show, they had been briefed intensely. Intensely. They, they debriefed someone else and they were briefed. Yeah, and they were all wearing briefs, <laughs> yeah. which we appreciate. Me undies, I believe. Um, but I, I, but also, I have to say, like, I'm so glad you are a person that is an experienced interviewer because I, very nice. I've never interviewed someone before, and it is this was your first time, right? Other than the, the people that we have on the show, which is just like friends. That yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, yeah, exactly. Like that, yeah. I don't even think of that as an interview. Yeah, it's really. just a conversation. Um, it's really hard. Especially when it's someone that you admire, that you admire, yeah, and that you you kind of want it to go a certain direction. Like we wanted it to be a little funny at times too. Yeah, we we didn't want it to be like a joke interview because we respect them and wanted it yes. to be worth their time. But at the same time, it, for fans of the show, we want it to be funny and we want to still be ourselves. But at the time, we're freaking out and yeah. we can't be ourselves. And I found being that nervous in front of. Because for me, I thought it would just be I'd be in the present with with these people. But I found myself, like I said, the enormity of it grew. And I found myself thinking about being a teenager and going and seeing Rattle and Hum and just how much I've been following them through all of the these years. And it was all hitting me while I was there with them. And yeah. I couldn't stop. And I lost, like, my sense of humor. <laughs> I, I, There were things that— Have you gained it back, by the way? I can't I, tell. You can't tell. <laughs> with how this is um, going. I'm right not now. sure. But I also kind of feel, felt like sometimes I had questions, but instead of questions, it just turned into something else. It was really difficult. But they couldn't have been They cooler. couldn't have been more gracious and cool about it. And, and you're going to hear it. Uh, had interesting questions for us, yeah. and we get into some stuff that that has never been discussed in previous interviews. I yeah. believe we get into stuff regarding their next album that yeah. they have not talked about. Yeah, uh, th they ask us certain. Qu I don't want to spoil any of the interview, but I just want to uh, kind of hype up what people are about to hear. I think it is a really interesting interview because we tried to not talk about the topics that. They continually talk about. Yeah, like we didn't bring up the iTunes release or any of that because we felt like that had been talked. Like, who to cares? Death. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was really an intense experience for us. We sound stupid. Yes. I, I just <laughs> seriously, uh, all apologies because I sound like uh, an idiot. Yeah, I am. I'm. I, I appreciate that you're saying that I am slightly more seasoned of an interviewer. Oh, for but sure. You you definitely kept it afloat and kept questions coming and really good questions um, while I was just staring at them. Uh, but, you know, I think that we both kind of uh, kept, you know, it, it, I don't think it's terrible or anything. I, I, I just find it slightly embarrassing. It's slightly embarrassing. You, yeah, it's embarrassing. We're not as funny <laughs> as we want to be. Right. We're not as in control as we want right. to be. It's an embarrassing listen for us slightly, but I think it's also a really interesting listen because I don't think these guys do interviews like this where just fans are asking them questions for this amount of time. And they didn't really do 
much more than this as far as press goes mm-hmm. while they were in New York. Um, so we were really lucky. That they gave us so much time. Yeah. And there wasn't really uh, – that was the other great thing. There wasn't really an end clock necessarily. No. It was just like kind of try to wrap it up around an hour. Yeah. And no one was ever like in the back waving at us. And then once we finish, like you said – there was they, another extra half hour of stuff, but that they happened. just hung out and they like hung out and chatted talked to us and, and chatted. Like they it weren't was, rushing to get out of there. And. Yeah, so the, uh, we're gonna hear this interview after the break, and uh, you're gonna hear you two at just kind of being normal guys talking about stuff that that just kind of bespeaks to how normal they are and, uh, you know, about their various interests. And And we may jump in every once in a while to clarify something because at the time, you know, in a normal interview, we would have the presence of mind to sort of like reiterate what is happening for the listener. But at the time we were just like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to have the monumental interview of you two, Scott and Scott interviewing you two after this. Here we go. Hey, uh, Adam. Yeah, Scott, you, what's you, up? Do you like building websites? Love it. You love it? I but, love it. It's all I do in my spare time. But it's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Yeah, well, I mean, how much time do you take a day to build a website? <laughs> Seven, eight hours. It's a full-time job, isn't it? Yeah, and I can't get anything else done because I'm trying to build this website. Yeah, well, and what is your website, by the way? It's a website that's about different kinds of spaghetti, my favorite spaghetti, my kids' favorite spaghetti, the spaghetti of the future, spaghetti of the past. It's not working out. Is the spaghetti of the future like dipping dots? Uh, it's like dipping dots, but it has like laser beams. Oh, okay. Uh, Coming out of the spaghetti? No, directed right towards it. Oh, right towards it. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I was stupid when I said yeah, that. What's other wrong thing. with you? Well, look, even if you do know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is time-consuming, as uh, you the, know. The worst. So whether it's for a business site, which is this a business site or just for fun? No, it's a my new business. It's how I'm bringing in all of my income, and okay. it is not working out. Okay, well, or a portfolio, a restaurant. Is this a restaurant as well? No, it's just a spaghetti website. Okay, sorry. Well, look, in this day and age, you probably need a website. So lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. I hate sweating. I sweat the entire time. Yeah. Well, Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. What skill level level are you? I'm below zero, Scott. That sounds like beginner worse than beginner. I'm like zygote level. Oh my gosh. Well, no coding is required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy to use tools to create your website with, or with which to create your website is a better way of saying that. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site, so that ensures security and stability. And as you know, you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people in some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, here's what you do. All right? Squarespace gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website. Wait, wait, 24-7. What does that mean? Okay, say it's 3 in the morning. 3 in the morning on, say, a Tuesday? Even December 25th. Wait. When Santa comes. 3 in the morning, is that... Would you say Monday night or Tuesday morning if it's three in the morning? Uh, I would say d- uh, it depends on when you went to bed. Got it. I think I think the count the uh, days of the week should end when people go to bed. Wait, Gregorian? 
Yeah, Gregor- yeah, exactly, okay, on a Gregorian right. calendar. So it, it, this whole 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. thing, is it's no good. Yeah, Have it be like 10 p.m. for older people and like 3 in the morning for rock and roll guys yeah, like us, right? Shit. Anyway, so uh, you can even get a free domain. This is only $8 a month. I told you that, right? You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. And when you decide to sign up for it, make sure to use the offer code BONO to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for you talking you two to me. We want to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, build it beautiful and get in one last plug for your website. It's uh, uh, futureandpastspaghetti.com, futureandpastspaghetti.org, and just spaghetti.gov. <laughs> All right, see you then. Yes, listen to that bass. Bass guitar, Adam Clay, 2,000 pounds. That's right. Uh, you talking you two to me, we're back and um, talking about the titular New York City from that song that they sang on the All That You Can't Leave Behind record album. CD, compact disc. A disc that some has people, been compacted. Some people call it NYC. Some people call it the Big Apple. The Big Apple. Um, but all I know is I heart it. Me too. I heart uh, it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stephen King novel, It. Yeah, it's a terrific book. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Scary Clown. Oh, man. The scariest. Um, so uh, other than capturing the Freedmans, I would say. That's maybe a scarier clown. Yes. Yeah. Uh so super quick episode of I Love Films. Yeah, that was just, really quick. Just ended. <laughs> so we went out to New York. We we met with uh, the level loverable ladders from Liverpool. Yep, Hugh too, and uh, we had a, uh, an interview that we Adam and I find uh, personally embarrassing <laughs> to listen to. But we're going to sit here and listen to it <laughs> for this. <laughs> we experienced it. We've already listened to it, and now we're going to listen to it again with you and interject every once in a while to clarify something because we were not in really have we did not have the presence of mind to really properly uh, give the listeners a, a, a picture of what was happening. And in fact, I think we just started. We didn't even like do any kind of setup of like, hey, we're here at you know, we were just like, hey guys, that's right. <laughs> so we're going to listen to this interview now. Uh, this is the uh, all four of them. Uh, sitting in Electric Ladyland Studios, across a table from us, me with my laptop open, staring at my questions that we had sat and, and rehearsed yes. <laughs> in a hotel room yes. earlier in the day. Gone over everything with a fine-tooth comb. Are they going to think this is okay? Is yeah. this going to be all right? Oh, boy. Uh, so here we go. Let's hear the U2 interview on You Talking U2 to Me. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you guys for for being here. Just can't thank you enough, and thank you for not being creeped out. Uh, yes. <laughs> with two, yet, <laughs> yet, yes. yeah, with two guys in their forties who have a podcast about your band. Um, thank we've you. We've talked about you. <laughs> we've talked about you for. We were trying to estimate it uh, at this point. This is our twenty second episode. I think we've talked about you. For about 50 hours yeah. or so at this point. So, you know, it's it's a little strange, I'm sure, to have strangers talking about you that much. But uh, when did you start? We started about a year and a half ago. We started when yeah. the first rumors started percolating that the new record was coming 
imminently. So we start right right before Invisible wow. came out. We started mm-hmm. and yeah. we just went album we chronologically yeah, yeah chronologically album, album, album by album, album, album and by just kind of talking about each album uh, and our feelings about it and how we first heard of you guys and uh you know just sort of i think uh, we've both been fans since we were 14 or, yeah. or 15 uh so thank you anyway thank you so much for for being here we, we really we're, we're just here it. because we, we realize after this you'll stop yes <laughs> i believe this is the because, you know, series finale they say you should never you should never meet your heroes. And, and, and so here you are, and you go, oh, God, they're really dull. Um, <laughs> great. Next. So it's, uh, who's next? Chris Martin. Well, there's <laughs> literally nowhere else to go. After yeah. Yeah. Who else do we mean? Now, you've brought us something here, and it's a, uh, uh, some sort of a package, a wrapped package. It's flat. I'm not even going to hazard a guess. We went to a great deal of trouble. Great deal of trouble. And, okay. um, By the way, I packaging. don't know what it is. So okay, I'm just good. Saying, so you're not standing behind this no, gift at all. No, I have okay. no idea what it is. Packaging is everything. Larry, do you know what it is? <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I caught a glimpse of it, but I wasn't really. I know, should I be frightened of this? Yeah, this? probably. Okay. It's, it's gorgeous wrapping paper. I yeah, where did, now where does a band like you two get their wrapping paper? Now you guys all went wrapping paper shopping together, yeah. right? Actually, I collect wrapping paper. Okay, do you? Adam yeah, collects I, wrapping paper. I do. I l- whenever I go past a shop that sells interesting wrapping paper, I go in and I buy the wrapping paper. That's interesting. I have a wrapping paper collection. Do you really? Yeah, not many people know that. You That's are a rap artist, Adam. He's a rapper. Very good at the age. I was going to say, it's not just that he loves luxury goods. He is a luxury good. He is good. a luxury good. What is your favorite piece, if I may ask? Well, I think the, the most minimal, the, the plainest. You know, mm-hmm. when you get down wow. to... I mean, you can, if you want to be a little showy, you can work with the silvers and the golds and even the platinums. Mm-hmm. But then if you just want to be very, very subtle, that just, that very, very humble brown paper look. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and with a little bit of shine on it sometimes. Adam, can I ask a question? Do you have a special room dedicated to wrapping? I have a studio. Yes, a, I have a wrapping studio. studio. Mm-hmm. Do you wrap <laughs> your own gifts, great. or do you have like that's, a fancy butler or three butlers? No, no, no. That's the whole point: mm-hmm. folding the paper. I see. Okay. And this is paper that you you've use. got to be the first person to fold the paper. Okay. You actually use it to wrap gifts. It's not just you're hoarding it. You do use it to wrap gifts and then I give practice the gifts. wrapping gifts. Wow. So I would imagine at this point you're incredible at wrapping gifts. You could describe it yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. You could. All right. Okay, so at this point, <laughs> Adam and I have no idea whether this is a bit or right. not that they're doing. It very well may be that Adam has a wrapping paper studio in his house. I would imagine that he does like wrapping paper and collects it, but maybe? I don't know about having a room that's I, I just dedicated. I cannot tell. It seems like it's a bit that we're not getting. <laughs> maybe, but regardless of all of that, we just we just are like, when do we do we start asking questions? Yeah, when or, do we start asking questions? And are and, we going to talk about wrapping paper for an hour? I think I think were this to be you know just a normal interview, we would we would be a bit more clued in on whether this was a bit or not. But I, I in listening to it now for the third time. I think it's a bit that we're just not like catching I, on I to the fact it's that it's kind of a bit, but I feel like he 
is a guy that likes nice he, wrapping paper. He loves and probably yeah. has a, a lot of it. He he before the interview he was talking about a certain pair of shoes yeah. that Lady Gaga was wearing and he knew them by name. So he's he's very interested in uh you know the finer things in life yes. as they were saying. So uh anyway, I just thought we should clarify <laughs> that <laughs> that Adam and I I think are too stupid to understand what's happening at this point. Yeah, I I, I just saw it as kind of a bit but he, Kind of not. I okay. don't know. We'll we'll let uh, history be the judge, jury, <laughs> okay. and executioner. Yes. All right. Let's get back to it. I'm this opening this gift here. Let's see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. We know more about you than you know. You think okay. you know? You think you know shit about us? We know. We know All right. you. Okay. This needs clarification because we don't actually ever say what what this is. We allude to it, what? but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a flat gift uh, that was wrapped, and when we unwrapped it, there was a Manila envelope. Yeah, we took out of the envelope. There is a picture that Bono drew, hand drew, and it is of essentially it's of a. It looks like a vase with a heart in it. Now the vase has little hairs on the it's bulbous. Like a, it's like a a dick and balls <laughs> with a heart at the top of at it the t- as the tip, and it's shooting what appears to be a liquid up the top of it. Yeah. So basically, he's drawn us a picture of a cock and balls <laughs> shooting with a heart, and like it's uh, we have it right here. We have it right here. You can go to the website and check out the Bono original. Uh, basically, he had. Listen to previous episodes of the show where we had drawn these pictures ourselves yeah. and had seen the pictures we drew because we put the pictures on the website and drew his own for us, which which is the weirdest thing to have happened at the top of an interview it, I can think of. It is not at all what we were expecting. <laughs> not in the for least. Bono to give us a drawing of a dick. <laughs> It was the craziest, best thing. It, w- it was amazing. Our minds were so blown that you can hear us. We don't even, we can't even elucidate what it is that we have at yes. this point. It was so crazy. And it was it was Bono's first way of showing us that he knows, yeah. as he said, more about us than we would like. And he signed it Bonobo. So like, he, we'll, he says we'll that. say that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go back. And we know a lot about you. We know that you have a very passion for for drawn <laughs> for drawn appendages. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is an original of yours I, I would uh, imagine. Uh, you wow. signed it. I've signed a Bonobos. Yes. Bonobos. Wow. See? And this I, is you a You don't think we listen to your podcast? <laughs> this we are, is We know we know what literally we know what you had for lunch yesterday, which I believe was a chicken chop salad. <laughs> How do you know that? Stumps. Oh my, oh my god. god. You do know that. How do you know that? <laughs> yeah. Uh I the day before I had had a chicken chop salad from the restaurant stamp here in LA and he I couldn't he even knew that. I couldn't even fathom what I was hearing. Yeah. You can hear me kind of trying to say to Adam like, "No, that really is it. I don't think necessarily that you picked no, up on it." No, it wasn't until later that you that I told you, "No, yeah. I literally had that for lunch and he knew that he found out what I had had to lunch yeah. had for lunch earlier." Yeah. I, I was and I was sitting there not trying to show it tell everyone, "This is no, that's what I have had." You, have you figured out yet how he found out? It's a mystery. Wow. Yeah. All right. Let's go back. 
I'm just saying, I know shit. Wow. From Stamp, yeah. That yeah. literally is what I had. Oh, my you know God. know everything. Oh now, Scott, should we try and describe? Yeah, the, it's the a, uh, well, I mean, gosh, how does one describe something like that? <laughs> this <laughs> is. Other than call it what it is. It's a hairy vase with a heart in the top. That seems uh, to be leaking upwards. Something. There is no <laughs> gravity on this planet. This is true. So there is water leaking up upwards. into the air. <laughs> or perhaps down from the ceiling yeah, into that's it. Probably that's, that's probably You know what? what? Someone's watering it from up here. Yes. That's what's Thank you happening. so probably. much. We'll take a picture this of this. This is incredible. Thank it's you. It's a sizable you. penis. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh. I didn't see that when I looked at that. But now that you say it, yeah, I see it. Wow. Wow. This is Exactly what we need and want. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, so guys, we're here in New York City, and you're in sort of at the end of the U.S. leg. Thank you. Think thin. Very good. Thank you. I eat we're, those things. Yeah, I really do. You do. Those I are know. great. He's, li- he's a listener. For you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point. Bono passed me a Think Thin bar because you're constantly eating them right. during the show. And you, j- in fact, just ate one about five seconds ago right yes. in front of me. Yeah, just now. But so he he brought Think Thin. He a brought think a Think Thin, thin bar. bar for you. Yeah. Which is so weird. Yeah. You look great, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> He's a he, listener. He snatched it, Scott. <laughs> We're here. Uh, you have two more shows left at Madison Square Garden, and then you take a little break, and then mm-hmm. you're off to Europe. Is that right? This is true. Yes. So you're in the middle of the Songs of Innocence tour and um, you know, trying to get out there and have people listen to the record. And a lot of the record is about looking backwards and sort of talking about your youth, talking about your influences. So if you were to have a podcast like we have a podcast about mm-hmm. any band – who would you like to discuss? Who would you? Who, oh, what band would would it be a pleasure to sift through their records and talk about them a lot? Um, I would have to say the Clash. The Clash. Yeah, the Clash. That would be my first choice because I think they had a very interesting journey from the beginning, where they were, you know, recording their first album in like a few hours, and it was so rough. It was like, but but then their songwriting and their understanding of arrangements just got more and more sophisticated and towards the end they were Mm -hmm. turning out records with incredible sophistication and a kind of a swing and a and a a feel that was really amazing and they should have made more albums that's the only thing Mm -hmm. but the ones they made i think are astonishing what do you think of give them enough rope i think there's some great tunes on Mm -hmm. it and i think uh you know it's the difficult second album and it's always, you know, one that you know can get into trouble with. But I think they did some great work on that. Uh, Pop quiz: Who played the piano on uh, Rock the Casbah? I know. And, just, and it's drum, Topper, Topper Heath. Isn't that incredible? Really? Really? Did you know that? No, I did not know one that. One of the wow. great piano parts of all time. That was the drummer. Wow. Ask Larry Mullen why he doesn't play piano. <laughs> Make him feel. How could I top Topper? <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. amazing. What do you wow. think of uh, Big Audio Dynamite? I thought they were a really interesting band. <laughs> they actually nice. they toured a lot with us um, on on their first album. They they opened for us and we got to know Mick quite well. Um, they were doing something really cool, exploring kind of in two di- directions: the the kind of early hip hop and mm-hmm. and the dance music that was sort of coming out of America, but also with that reggae flavor. I think some again for for that moment some really cool things they were up to. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. How about you, Adam? Is there a band that you could explore with as as much nerdy detail as we have you? Uh, well, I would. I'd always kick for uh, something like um, the Marley Records because mm-hmm. because um, you're I a th- bass player. I'm a, well, primarily I'm a bass player, but they were just fantastic tunes. Yeah. And when when people think about reggae, they think about something slow and doped out. Yeah. Those tunes, you know, they're, they're, they're quick, and the bass does lead them. You know, it yeah. does underline the melody. I always thought Naughty Dread was just a perfect album. Yeah. Uh, just as a, it, it, it's recorded yeah. so well, um, and the songwriting on that album is particularly strong. All right. Listen, yeah. I, 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 I yes, didn't Adam? know what to say. That I, was very I, insightful, I oh thought. Oh, God. <laughs> The, and this is just the beginning. This really. is just the beginning. Uh, I, I, I do love that album. That's my favorite of the Bob. Like as an entire album, it's great. But Jesus Christ, why, why say that? I don't know. I just wanted Adam Clayton to know that I totally know what he's talking about. And <laughs> it's very endearing. Oh, I God. think. I think. I, I, I think that it's it's adorable. Jesus Christ! I, I there. It's f- the first of many cringy moments. For I me I cringed a little earlier when I say it's the songs of Innocence tour. It's yeah. of course Innocence and Experience. But I what I was the the what I was trying to say was uh, that it's the tour for behind, that record. For that record. Yeah, 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 yeah. But instead, I called it by the wrong name. Whatever. I get several facts wrong over this, and in, and say. Uh, I think I say a made-up word at some point of experimentational or something like that. It's we're, we're we're very nervous. We're very nervous. It we calm down. We calm down a good like fifteen minutes from now. But just please bear with us. And and only briefly. I feel like we go back to being. I, I yeah, don't know. I don't know. Let's just keep going. Yeah, the, and there's a there's a funny thing about uh, those records is depending on what mood you're in, you kind of hear yeah. you hear the balance differently, and uh-huh. sometimes the bass leads or the guitar or whatever, but just beautifully crafted songs. And if, if Marley wasn't a black Jamaican, um, those songs would have been regarded at, up there with Beatles songs. You yeah. know? It's just, they would have been you know, given that um, uh, honor. Do you have a preference of which mix you like, the U.S. mixes or the original Jamaican I'm mixes? I'm not that much of an anorak. <laughs> All right. You're not that nerdy. But there, right? is a lot of, there is a lot of mixes out there, so yeah, yeah mm. a lot of choice. There's an interesting fact that there is a tribe of Native American Indians that uh, live at the bottom of the Grand Canyon who came to the conclusion that Bob Marley was some sort of semi-deity. And if you go down, they all wear Bob Marley T-shirts and some of them have dreadlocks. And it's just this... Really? Little They're called the people of, of the blue-green water, something like that. Yeah, it's uber fans of Marley's. And it's... Mm. To this day, they're down there. Well, as far as I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they, they're ready to move out. If, uh, <laughs> if you could get your anoraks uh, together. Yeah. But it's... Maybe. I mean, it's, he was that kind of artist who just inspired people, no matter where they lived, what their cultural background, it just sort of seemed to cross all... First, first global superstar. Because he's yeah. a superstar in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and keeping with that theme, I'd just like to point out we are in Electric Ladyland. Um, 
this is the home of Jimi Hendrix, who was incredible. Yeah. And he, you know, he just defined a guitar sound and changed the way people approach guitar forever. Yeah. It's, now, a, it's I mean, amazing being here, by the way. A lot of people would say that about you, Edge, um, that you changed the way people play guitar, and you certainly have a, a unique way of playing. Uh, rank yourself next to Jimi Hendrix. Me? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, no one can rate themselves next to Jimi Hendrix, so I wouldn't even dream of it. But um, I think that what I have done is maybe just approach the instrument from a different point of view to most guitar players. And mostly it was because of these guys, because when we were 16 and 17 and 18 trying to write our first songs, there were so many things that were banned you know, there was bending of strings was utterly banned. I mean, that was like mm. a, a sin worthy of instant excommunication. Um, <laughs> to get that bluesy, yeah, all of that yeah, stuff, yeah. and even the blues scale in our in our songwriting, we uh, we banned it. So, what what I had to do was sort of find new things to do and, and invent new ways to to play the instrument. And really, that's kind of the basis of my style. It's not really that I was, you know, came up with this great approach. It was more like, well, what's left? What, what <laughs> right, can I do right. that isn't banned and that is going to inspire these guys? So it's always been a case of trying to find new territory and new sounds and new approaches. Do you remember the time that you came up with a certain sound that you were like, whoa, I, I think that's never been done before? And, and was the rest of the band around you? Was, was this in rehearsal? I think, you know, there's a couple of things that spring to mind, um, probably, I mean, if I'm being honest, it was, it was really when I got the first echo unit and I started realizing that you could sound like two guitar players mm -hmm. bouncing off each other. And I mean, people had used echo before, but within our group, the, there was so little filling the sound that it gave me this opportunity to really mess around and play around with, with delays and, in that mathematical way of filling in rhythms and beats so mm. that one note, you know, really does a lot of work. Can you remember what your unit was called? The Electroharmonics um, Deluxe uh, Memory Man. Do you still have it? Wow. Yes. Uh, actually, <laughs> sadly, uh, not the original one, it broke down. I mean, it, mm. went, it, went, it got repaired numerous times and ended up getting put in a, a, a rack mount unit, which got flooded in a terrible accident that happened to our equipment back in the 90s. But they actually reissued them, so I do own an original of that design. But it's oh, not wow. the original. Ask me what strings do I use? Yeah. <laughs> Are you, uh, speaking of playing guitar are you bummed that you're i mean how how can you still play a little bit one finger one finger which if i go blind which is on the car and I, you can see where this is going mm -hmm. uh, i just put a bottleneck there and somebody else gonna it's like you're playing in roadhouse stage and you know uh i'm i'm very bummed about it um the other band don't seem to be as bummed, which is typical. <laughs> Larry, you're, you're hiding your giant grin behind <laughs> no, your, your just, palm. It's, it's one less thing to get hit over the head with. <laughs> <laughs> if you come in in the wrong place. Well, things do become weapons for us um, uh, if, they're, if they're just left lying around. And perhaps, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm best leaving the guitar lying around. But I miss it for, um, for my own. More than I'm never very good with it on stage, but I could. I I I held onto it quite tightly as a songwriter, mm -hmm. and and so 
Yeah, and yeah, I'm fine. There's, there are bigger injuries to get over, but I, and I might have surgery that can get it back. Yeah, oh, really? great. we're hoping, very much hoping that yeah. it but will right just now, be a matter of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. You could do always you, try getting an echo box. <laughs> <laughs> just do that one <laughs> finger over and over and over again. Yeah. Do you have that surgery like scheduled in around the tour right now, or are you just kind of contemplating I'm, I'm, I'm it? Hoping, hoping, this is boring stuff, but it's like uh, nerve damage heals about a millimeter a week. Right. So that gives you about 18 months to find out if it heals. Um, at the moment... I seem to have some other mechanical obstacles, not just nerves, to to being able to bend my mm. last two fingers on my left hand, mm. which is, you know, and that's what might need the surgery. But, you know, maybe we're wrong and maybe it'll it'll come good. We'll find out in like six months. Wow. Uh, how about you, Bonnet? Do you have a, a band that you could delve into with 23 episodes or so? Well, I, yes, I do. Um, I, have a, I mean, I, I could say the Ramones, of course, because they taught me had a song write and sing and lots of things and we talk about it on, on Songs of Innocence but because myself and The Edge have just come from the announcement of John Lennon Day mm-hmm. on Ellis Island oh, really? with Yoko Ono oh wow yeah I have to talk it's the Beatles because the Beatles yeah. for me are just uh, uh, inexhaustible yeah and and you know we've spent time with uh Paul McCartney recently, he was at our show and he's very generous with his insight into, you know, how they wrote those songs and I could listen to that really f- yeah. forever. Did I had he a, break down like how he wrote a song for Sometimes, you? yeah. Wow. I had an amazing thing. Uh, this is probably too long for your podcast, but no, please, I no. had the pleasure of being picked up in a car, um, a red Range Rover in Liverpool by... Uh, Paul McCartney and taken around the neighborhoods where the Beatles grew up. And he's saying, you know, this is where over there was where like George, you know, grew up. And this is where I first, this, oh, 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 look, that bus. That's the bus I used to go catch with John. And, uh, and, you know, he'd say, oh, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is the news agent where we had our first big conversation. And, and, uh, and he said, do you mind me telling you that? I go, No, no, not at all. And uh, that, so, ladies and gentlemen, is the shit that happens when you are Bono. Yeah, yeah. where are you guys? Wow. No, yeah. no. <laughs> just what making an omelet in your kitchen or something. Um, I mean, no. I mean, I, I an amazing experience. I put myself wow. out there. That's true, um, and I'm uh, unembarrassable. So, I mean, I will mm-hmm. sit at the foot of a Paul McCartney. I would, yeah. I would yeah. carry his luggage. In fact, I might have uh, <laughs> before I got into the car. But, you know, because for me, he's, you know, is Johann Sebastian Bach. I mean, his yeah. melodies are as important as Bach in a thousand years time. I, I, I know that to be true. Yes. And so whilst we still have a Beatle around, I think we should be making a fuss. Oh, but the yeah. other thing is it really brings home stuff about our bands. Like, we will go out, and I remember we were out with Stella, uh, Paul's daughter. Stella McCartney is in, just incredible in her own right. And there was just the four of us out in London at the firehouse, and we're all sitting there, and, and she went quiet for a minute, and, and she said, oh, my God, I said, I, I have no memory of this for the Beatles, you know, of them going out and hanging out. I know they did. Yeah. Mm. But... And it's really an encouragement for us all just to, to really to keep our friendship going. Yeah. And, and you think, what would the Beatles sound like now? Because yeah. 
it, it, you know it would be interesting. Yeah. Right. And Do you think about that? If they had become yes. like the Rolling Stones, if they had stayed together, would they have made their dirty work or, you know? Well, the problem with, see, this depends. You ask exactly the right question. Because what made them extraordinary was their friendship and this kind of, you know, game of table tennis that went on, particularly with, with um, Lennon and McCartney, but it also went on, you know, with, with, with uh, Harrison and all the rest of it, you know. So because with the Rolling Stones, Keith and Mick's relationship broke down, I think that was very hard for, for that band because they were mates. They were also schoolmates, just like us. Yeah. They knew each other in the early teens. And you think, wow, you know, this is, that's alchemy. Like, uh, in the end, there's only so much you can do with craft and writing songs and all yeah. that. So you really are sitting here in Electric Lady, and I can say this, you, Quincy Jones gave me this line. He said, you're waiting for God to walk through the room. That's yeah. it. And God, as it turns out, is pretty unreliable. Yeah. And so you wait a lot. I said that to Quincy. What's that about? And he said, teaching your patience. <laughs> yeah. But so if you're waiting on magic, it's, it's about relationships. And I think with the Beatles, if John and Paul had made up, I think you'd have got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it seems like something like Songs of Innocence could not have been made if this was just a, a, a now a business relationship like this mm-hmm. this album is really about something and it has yeah. a feeling to it that was what it, we promised mm. each other and ourselves when we went in to make the album was that the songs had to mean enough that we would be able to justify going on the road and playing yeah. them and being away from our families for you know the guts of six or eight months per year for a couple of years, uh, which, you know, is something that we love to do, but it's it's no small thing. Right. And, you know, you just got to feel like the songs deserve that kind of commitment. And so when we started working on the tunes, um, when we got really into the, the, talking about the themes, it became obvious that um, we had to find an area of inspiration that would be very revealing and personal and so it followed really that it was going to be somehow connected with Dublin and we ended up getting to the place really Bono as he started working on the lyrics and some of the songs started to come through we realised well it's actually not just Dublin it's the Dublin of you know, when we were 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18, what happened to us, what formed the band as, as a band, but also what, what influenced us as individuals and got us into the place, you know, where we are now. So it's, it is one of the most, the most personal and revealing albums we've ever made. And uh, it sort of took that. Yeah. It really took going that personal to, to make those songs mean as much was everyone on board did someone have to sort of pitch hey i we want this to be a theme record i mean in a a way it is a theme record sort of you know i mean i mean there's there's obviously there is that angle to it if but i think what's more significant in terms of the history of the band and, and what we do for each other is you have to create an environment where it's safe to fail because you fail a lot and i think we were all kind of humbled from the very beginning of this project at sort of how difficult it is to get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if our relationship means anything at the end of the day, it's that when we go into the studio, 
we do support each other, we do encourage, we do try and create a safe place um, to go there. That's great. Do you guys do the sort of math with your relationships of like, wow, I hang out with you guys more than my, my wife? F- <laughs> For example. Yeah. Okay. Now, listeners to the show, obviously, he just said my wife, and yeah. it took so much strength for me sitting there yeah. to not say my wife yeah, to I him. I, it I, was, I thought of it too. It was killing us. It, it would have been really weird, and they wouldn't have known they what wouldn't we have were talking about. But, um, and you wanted to say something about. Well, I, I, th- there's just so many t- points in this interview where I can hear myself after they answer a question saying, that's great. Like, I can't help myself. I'm just so dazzled. You, you want to tell them that you that you love them. That's, Remember telling me you love me? Yes. This is like this. It's like that. It, there, <laughs> there are a few moments like that where, like, I there, there's a moment coming up where I had a question, and instead of getting to the question part, I had just expressed my feelings about something. <laughs> like, I... It's great. You're I, not a professional interviewer. That's, I didn't know what was happening this to my is, brain. This is what would happen... If true fans interviewed them. So that's why I like it. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. All it's right. it's uh mortifying. <laughs> All right, let's go back. Do you? I mean, I mean I think I think in ours I probably hang out with these Yeah. Which is Well is, you and I were sleeping together which before is, you were sleeping with Harry. <laughs> that is true. We shared rooms. Larry and myself shared rooms, which was trying, wasn't not, it? It was, was not, a little difficult. Not for me, I might add. You were a wonderful roommate. Thank you. So you guys went from roommates to being in a band for thirty five years at yeah. this point. I mean I I can't stand my old roommates. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't still some socks I'm still <laughs> the back. I can't imagine still knowing those dudes, let alone yeah. being with them on the road for most of my life. He's trying to get his money back. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, we uh, what about you for a, a podcast about a band? Is there is there anyone you think of? I don't know that it would be just one single band. I mean my my musical um history is is uh, pretty teenage um, I grew up with glam rock yeah and it was that whole period where it was buying the single it was Gary Glitter it was the Glitter Band it was T-Rex it was Bowie it was just a whole thing that was going on so if I was to do a podcast it would be about that whole era that generation and that's why I started playing because it was rhythmic and simple yeah and um, you know uh, it's so great to have been um, successful uh, and to do this with little, you know, sort of, of that thing that people seem to value so much, the sort of musical snobbery about what you can do, the athleticism of music and, yeah. and we don't really have that. What we have is we've got um, a lot of heart and probably not as much head mm-hmm. and, uh, and that kind of works for us. Um, but it is it is it is so great when you um, go out and meet. Hurt by that remark. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean. When you go out and you meet uh, you meet kids. I, I met, met a kid the other day, and uh, he, uh, he said he, he said to me he said uh, he said I'm a street drummer like you. He said I, I taught myself. I learned how to play. And just how great is that? That's great. Just learned how to play. Just. Just listen to just, you and just not, like... I don't think just listen to me, just listening to music. Just just wanted yeah. to do his own thing, not wanting to be like everybody yeah. else. I just thought it was fantastic. It made me feel very proud. That's terrific. You know, the funny thing is when we started the podcast, when we had the idea for it, our original idea was to 
to do an episode per what we called three album cycle of yours we thought of your career in these three there's a lot of that yeah basically the first three are mm-hmm. you know starting the band and then mm-hmm. the next three are the more experimentational and then uh the irony cycle and then the getting back to basics and but then it was so much fun that we did an episode per album but do you guys look back and and see those three album cycles or does is that just nonsense and you were just making records or is it? I think there's definitely something to it. We could break it down into phases. I think you can also break down the albums into different, um, almost chapters. Um, I was talking with Bon about this the other day. You're talking about the, the the final suite of a U2 album seems often to be three songs, mm-hmm. but some of this is conscious, some of it's unconscious, some of it's just as you're working. You, you you do certain things because they make sense. Yeah. Do you what cycle do you think you're in right now? Because this new record seems like it's the start of something. Yeah, it's a well, it's it's one half of something, um, which which we'll try to get out next year, and songs of experience. But there's there is a th- mm, there could be there's there's a you know, there's there's songs around it as well. So, you know, you mentioned Invisible earlier. That's a very important song, but it's not on the album. Yeah. Uh, you got Crystal Ballroom. That's a very important song. It's not on the album. Yeah. So, we're we're moving away from from just the, the literous literalness of the album, mm-hmm. which used to be everything for us. And now we're just exploring songs and and um, the the real the, the reason it's called Songs of Innocence uh, apart from the reference to Blake and all that is is because the thing that we wanted above all else was to challenge our songwriting yeah. because in the end playing around in the Sonic playground with Edge and Brian Eno and all the innovators we have around us it's it's too easy for us we, I mean, we, we can just get, we could go for a year just right. doing that. And, but actually, what's so much harder is to go back to the discipline of the three and a half minute song, which yeah. is where we came in. That's where punk came in. Yeah. And, you know, we just go, oops, we're not getting a bit of the, oh, look, it's on the end of my, it's on my ankle. Look, Edge, I think it's on you too. <laughs> what, what is it? Oh, it's the progressive rock lurgy. <laughs> and it's the head music that Larry was referring to. It's the thing. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, 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 and, the, and we're better than you. Right. Oh, that's what comes with it. And it's just this, this was the enemy when we were growing up. Yeah. So let's not. It must any- be so hard because now you can do anything. You, you, you can sit here for years and years and years and you can make any sound you want and you can have anyone come in and go, oh, okay, well, I would add, you know, a complicated chord structure to this. But this record feels so simple. Simple. And it, I think, by the way, there were some stunning reviews of it in Rolling Stone, Q and Mojo. And some people really got it. But a lot of people really didn't because it was so simple. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, in some cases, the surface was a little overworked, I think. But the songs stand up, as you see when you come to the shows, because you can't put songs up against Sunday Bloody Sunday or Beautiful Day or yeah. Vertigo if, they, if they're not your very best, because you're going to find out. Right. It's, it's like walking out with no clothes on. You know, th- I thought this was significant that he kind of alluded to the fact that he thinks the album's a little overproduced. 
It was interesting. I mean, maybe maybe he means that, which is why they did stripped down acoustic versions. Uh, we didn't ask a follow up, which would have been yeah <laughs> the thing to do, maybe. But we didn't want to be rude. Yeah, and press him on it. But but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, I feel like he's really sensitive. The, the follow up I also wanted to interject, but didn't want to interrupt, is that. I strongly feel that most of those reviews were reviewing more the release right. and barely even mentioned the music. So I think a lot of those reviews were a little ridiculous. Um, but, but but it's interesting. I wonder which songs he actually means. I would guess every Breaking Wave probably because they put out the the uh, stripped down version of that, and that's, and that's what they do in the concert. And yeah. Stuff, so you know? maybe maybe something like that. But uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You can kind of brazen a couple of them. But you can feel an audience, just their energy go down yeah. if you're not connecting them. So we're, we're really pleased with the songs. That was it. That was the, that was the high jump for us. Was We were listening to, we discovered in punk rock, there were genius songwriters like Pete Shelley from the Buzzcocks. You know the song, Ever Fallen In Love With Someone You Shouldn't Have Fallen In Love With. This is Stephen Sondheim good. This is, yeah. you, th- you forget this. And, or the Ramones, they were writing... Just classics, three chords, and just really, really simple melodies, but yeah. classics, but classics, and, yeah. and impossible to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the that's the biggest thrill as a fan is just the songwriting on on the new record. You guys are at the songwriting peaks right now, and I remember when Atomic Bomb, when How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb came out. I had done the cal- or my friend had done a calculation that it was the same. It was coming out the same year that when the Stones had put out Steel Wheels. It, you guys were at the same point in your career that they mm-hmm. were, and so I would. I remember just hoping that the record was good and the songs were there, and being so <laughs> thrilled that at that point um, I felt like it was my favorite record of yours. So the song you guys have been able to keep the songwriting at a place where. Bands just aren't able to do it. Do you attribute that to what you were talking about earlier with maintaining these these friendships, Adam? Do you, do you think? Oh, that's all very heavy. Um, I think if I might interrupt, Adam, that part of it is also because we've always considered ourselves fans first and foremost. So we're drawn to be part of the conversation that's happening in the culture, and what happens. I think as a result of that is that there's a is a kind of development in our music composition and and songwriting which is unconscious but it it sort of protects us from ending up as part of a little you might call it the oxbow lake the part of the river that's actually no longer in the stream it sort of just end up getting left behind right where and it's subtle things but you know, melody lines, styles of melody lines get worn out. And then the culture finds new and more interesting, different things that haven't yet been explored or worn out. And I think we, as a band, have always been curious and inquisitive about the culture. Yeah. So, you know, I could point to what influenced Acting Baby, what we're listening to around Joshua Tree, and what we're listening to now. And it's, it's in, it informs us. We've never written in a vacuum we've always been mm-hmm. aware of what's been going on I think there are bands who have a heyday they have a particular moment in the development of rock and roll that they fell in love with and they've not moved on from that right. ever 
And I think the culture does move on. So you, you sort of end up inevitably sounding like a heritage act, even though, you know, you're still working on new ideas. It's just they don't have a reference to the new yeah. move in the culture. It's weird. It's like some filmmakers sometimes. Once great filmmaker who blew our minds, you go see their latest movie and it's like, well, what happened? Are what? you talking about someone you've worked with? What's <laughs> <laughs> happening right talking now? Talking about myself. Oh, wait, is this an episode of I Love Films? <laughs> I think it might be an episode oh, hey. of I Love Films. All right. Hey, this is Scott. <laughs> and this is Scott. And we love films, and we're talking about great films and great directors. Well, I was talking about formally great formally directors. Formally great directors. Right. We have some guests here on I Love Films. Uh, what, <laughs> what are your favorite films? We love films like The Godfather, oh, Citizen on, yeah. Kane, Lawrence of yeah. Arabia. Those are the types of films we like. Yes. But what kind of films do you guys like? Those, I mean, those classics, you know, early Polanski, um, some of his, what else? Uh, Orson Welles, yeah. Back to the Future, um, what do you, where do you land on that? You know, I hated it when it came out. Did you, Did you really? I really hated it, and I've actually come to like it more. Andrew, what, what, what I did... see him in the mirror most mornings now with the new peroxide blonde do. After I get up, I look in the morning, I look like, what's his name? The, the... Professor. Professor. Yeah. Like Christopher him. Lloyd. Doc Brown? Doc Brown. I see Doc Brown a lot. I, I'm, not look, I'm not looking forward to seeing him, but I see him in the mirror. What what films do you like? Do you what's your favorite movie of all time? Would you say like being a movie star? You're, you look like a movie yeah, star. You're like a young James Dean. Oh, that's so kind of you. I mean, he never got to be an old James Dean. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure I have to take that now. Um, I I I tend to um, every couple of months have a new favorite, but I just I remember one particular movie that kind of in my house with my kids like changed everything for us. I know there are always these moments that sometimes it can be dinner, sometimes it can be music, and this was one movie. And my kids watched it over and over again and still do, and that's School of Rock. Oh, oh, yeah. And just changed everything in my house. We sat down together, we watched it, we knew the songs, it just, it was everything. So I think oh. that is one of the great That's a terrific movies movie. of all time. Wow. It is, That's it is so great. It's a great kids movie. My kids love it too. I'll, yeah. <clears throat> well, this has been I Love Films. <laughs> <laughs> Great app, great, really good app. Yeah, uh, uh, let's let's talk about the the tour because we've been doing it a couple of times in LA and it's fantastic. I mean, it's uh, I was unwittingly sitting in front of Thomas Lennon, who is uh, Lieutenant Dangle in Reno nine one one, and he said it was the best show that he has ever seen. Every every single person around me was just blown away. It's such. Uh, first of all, you guys are playing these amazing new songs. Uh, but it's a technological spectacle at this point. You guys have always been on the forefront of that, um, sort of pushing the boundaries of what we see when we're at concerts, what we hear now th- with the uh, the speakers everywhere around in the... How is it difficult to sort of balance giving a true sort of rock and roll performance while you're thinking about things like, oh, I have to hit my mark or this is my... It's not like you're doing choreography necessarily, but you're you have to be in a place at a certain time, or else something's going to land on your head, right? <laughs> I don't. Uh, Forty years of being <laughs> I don't, a professional. I don't do choreography. Yeah, is it? And this is a separate side question. Do you like 
getting to sit down the entire show, or is that a bummer for you? Well, I'm, I, I, you know, you do get to stand up, and I get to stand up. The problem is, is that I, I am, I'm clearly a target. <laughs> for all kinds of things. You're not moving um, around that much. I'm not much. moving around that much. And you mean fans throwing stuff? N- well, not always, um, but they, the conversations open, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm included in the conversation because I'm not moving. Right. And they're sort of, and they're taking photographs, and it's terribly distracting. Um, whereas these guys, when it happens, then they just move. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Somebody's waving at them, they move over the other. I can't move. Have you ever Stop. had something And you like, get the same people the whole show. Yeah. Have, have you ever had something where you're like a catcher at a baseball game, and they're like heckling you, and like there's someone right behind you, just like, you're like, God, I wish they would move. I've never had that experience. Okay. Yeah. Good. But how, uh, what's it like doing such a, a grand spectacle with the show? It's a few shows in one show. So it mm-hmm. starts mm-hmm. off like a punk rock show. And that's just, it's just full tilt and there's no marks, there's no nothing. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just for people, you know, playing for their lives, really. And as we started out and continue to do. Uh, then it's like somebody slips something into your drink and you go on a very narrative-based journey. It's very theatrical, very un-rock and roll, actually. But it's quite rock. It's quite punk rock to be bringing up the kind of emotions that are kind of banned from rock and roll, like right. singing about your dead mother. Generally banned. <laughs> uh, singing about friendship, your first love. I mean, it's how unpunk rock is this? Like, I killed my girlfriend is much more of a punk right. rock thing. So, so we were trying to, have, you know, really, really, you know, push that. And then it, you know, there's a sort of loss of innocence that happens through the 70s, which really did happen. And everybody has their first loves, but it's their first losses that, that sort of take away a bit of innocence. Then there's the political violence that we grew up in and around. That took away a bit of innocence. And so that ends the first half of the show. And then we kind of get, we, we get spat out of the machine having a great time. And it's, it's the Berlin Wall arrives in the middle of Madison Square Gardens, the whole thing. You can't see from the left to the right, or as we call it, the north side to the south side. And then the wall starts talking to you. And we we do the fly, or we do the wander with Johnny Cash. And and this machine spits you out, and you're just, like, glad to be alive, and it's the 90s, and we have some fun with that. And then at some point, you sort of hold on to love, and then love starts to get complicated. Even it bites you in the ankle and the arse and whatever else. And eventually we get there to, to a place, you know, some kind of ecstatic place. And then, I mean, the other night, it really was like church or something, like how I would hope a church would be. It's very hard. I did go to one church that was like that, uh, Glide in San Francisco. If you ever get a chance, there's a guy go there because Cecil Williams is his name. He marched with Dr. King. Mm-hmm. And you can get a, get a HIV test during the service. They got people from I'm the Tenderloin problem. in crash helmets and shit uh, in the choir. And you feel that ecstatic yeah. thing. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. We had it the other night. And people, every, I didn't sing one word of, of our song one. It, wow. just, it was sung. The song was stolen from our lips. Wow. It was beautiful. Wow. So when it goes great... These shows are just a wild ride. But trying to remember where you're standing mm. when you're telling a story through animation and, and things like that, that is tricky at times. Uh, yeah, if you've, yeah, if you, I find if you've been recently concussed. Right. <laughs> I can't think about uh, Marx or what I'm supposed to do other than what the song mm. 
is telling me to do. Sure. Well, you have to remember what you're doing with your hands too. There's a I lot mean, of you know? a lot of not just that, and but the also feet. the feet, like changing sounds. So I'm right. really and the the guide for everything is the song. Yeah. So if 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 somebody was to unplug the guitar, and I was actually not hearing, I would have no clue what to do. It's sort of like I'm I'm driven. By mm. the, the music itself, and that sort of tells me where I am and where I need to go. Next. So there's like muscle memory with the songs, totally. Where, yeah, and, and also with with the staging. You know, there are certain very broad things like you for this song be in this part of the stage, but but it isn't in any way true choreography. And my wife's a choreographer, and she's you know at times she said, "Hey, H, why don't you?" Really, it was great when you and Adam were there at the same mm-hmm. time and you did this. And I go, but yeah, I can't think like that. Yeah. If I yeah, start yeah, to yeah. think like that, yeah. I'm taken out of the show. Sure. I'm, I can't, you know, do what I do. So I just, um, I just try and inhabit the songs and, and let them sort of guide me where I need That's to be. That's great. You guys mentioned the political climate that uh, in Ireland that was around when you were first getting together. And I think here in the United States, we have a lot going on here as well. And yet music isn't really reflecting that all that much. If you look at, at what's popular, there aren't a lot of protest songs. No rage. Yeah. Mm, I mean, yes. there are a few artists here and there, mm. but it's, it's, it's a little weird when Prince is the only one yeah. <laughs> making a protest song out there. Yeah. You know, it's you so need, much different than the Pussy 60s. Riot uh, in America. Yes. Yeah, really. You know, we like, just what, were with Nadja earlier out in the island. Really? From oh, really? Pussy yeah. Riot. I think she's coming. I oh, think wow. the, the, tomorrow. The, oh, sort of, the music comes almost out of the angst that's, that is caused by, you know, injustice, political oppression, whatever is going on. And Do you think that maybe like pop artists now are too rich too soon? <laughs> they don't have any angst? or I think I think, you know, when you think about what's been going on, um, and we refer to it in the show in um, Baltimore and New York, and the you know Ferguson, Black Lives Matter and Charleston. You can imagine how you know th- there's stuff going on there that will will find a musical out you know outlet. Um, but it is that sort of stuff, and and we grew up with it when when we were um, inspired by the the movement punk rock. It was born out of real um austerity in in Europe in the British Isles and a lot of anger drove that music because everyone you know leaving school felt totally disenfranchised and forgotten about and ignored and there were riots and the music reflected all of that and the simultaneously the, the rise of a neo-nazi movement in Britain the national front and you know there was there was some real um awful stuff happening brewing in the in the in sort of the 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 the, the, the on the grassroots level so punk rock became this Im- immensely important sort of force politically and bands like the clash um really hit a lot of those issues head on and you know we we got inspired by that and that that's a, a lot to do i think with why we've never felt the need to stay out of what they say you should never discuss in polite society, which is politics and religion. We actually thought that's exactly what we want yeah. to talk about because that's what matters to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's going to go off here. I Something's going to happen. Oh, it's yeah. going to go yeah. off because there I'm meeting a lot of people, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, and they just want to burn down the pop charts. It's, it's going to happen. Revolt is around the corner. 
whether it's electric guitars or, you know, hip hop, who knows, or some hybrid or some DJ, you know, with a really, really, really violent uh, needle. Who's the people here? This is some, some mad electronic music out of France there, Justice, a few years ago, but it was oh, yeah. punk rock. It was, and the rage is okay, you know. It's very important to own up to it and to get it out there. And that's what hip hop was quite good at, was getting out those those feelings that people hadn't owned up to. But what's happening in the United States at the moment, this is a seismic yes. moment. There is, and I don't feel that any side is really, you know, left or right are telling people what is going on, mm-hmm. that the, you know, the, the manufacturing class is, 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 the manufacturing jobs don't look like they're coming back. Yeah. And the reboot that was necessary in education to prepare for that, hasn't happened. It doesn't exist. And so, you know, whereas... Calm down, Adam. Sorry about you. So, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is some anger here. Yeah, <laughs> boy. Yeah. Are you going to be starting these bands, Adam? <laughs> I don't know how to play guitar, so yeah, someone's going to have to teach you. Adam and me are going to start. <laughs> That's right. An electronic duo. That's right. Okay? No called, guitars. Called the Radical Center. Yes, I would love to hear this. All right, it doesn't exist, Adam. All right, we're uh, we need to take a break. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I think that was the moment, though, where we sort of broke out of interviewer mode, and I think this the back part of this is is way more enjoyable for us yeah, to maybe. listen to. So, we're, but we do need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have the back half of our conversation with you two, and we'll talk about what happened afterward, which is even more mind blowing. Come on back with more You Talking You Two to me. Hey, Adam, we have a, a really cool sponsor for this episode of You Talking You Two to Me. What is um, it, Scott? What is it? Well, I'm about to tell you. Please, 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 please. Shut up. Let me just tell you. What God. is it? It's like Christmas morning with you with these ads. Oh, I can't wait. Well, look, Adam, you can agree with me that confidence is sexy, right? Oh, my God. It's the sexiest. We have conversations about this every single day, don't we? All the time. What's the sexiest thing of all? Confidence. Exactly. Let's talk tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) I hope you don't change your mind. I'm confident about it. Oh, that's so sexy. Well, confidence comes from what? A big dick. (laughs) No, it comes from being comfortable. Oh. Okay, but how great can you feel if your underwear is wrinkling and riding up? Look, I know what you said is kind of related to this issue. You get no wrinkling, no riding up if you've got a big Johnson. (laughs) Well, MeUndies gets it. That's why they've created the world's most comfortable underwear for a daily dose of confidence. You wear underwear every day, right? 365 days a year. 364, but thank you. Okay, what's the one day, other day? My birthday. Because <laughs> you're in your birthday suit all day? Yep. Very good. And rain or shine, right? Uh, only if it's raining. But okay, it always great. rains on my birthday. Wow, interesting. What day is that? April 3rd. Mm-hmm. So, you need it to be extraordinary without an insane price tag. Well, me undie, me undies... Me understands this, <laughs> and that's why they've created the world's most comfortable underwear. Luxury at half the retail price you'd find anywhere else. When you look good, you feel 
great. It's a cliche because it's true. I'm going to tell you right now, Scott, wearing me undies is a lot like laying down and relaxing on a chaise lounge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what an endorsement. <laughs> I hope that gets put up on billboards. <laughs> it will. <laughs> well, MeUndies is designed underwear that makes you look and feel fantastic. MeUndies is made from modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton, and cotton is soft already. Yeah, I mean, cotton, uh, I, any chaise lounge with cotton on it, I'm, I'm lying down. I love no chaise question. lounges. Love it. Wow. Well, that's twice as soft as whatever underwear you're wearing right now, unless you're already wearing MeUndies. I don't know. There's Anyway, MeUndies has tons of colors and styles, 2,000 pounds worth, and the only place to get matching pairs for men and for women. So, hey, you'd like to get a matching pair of underwear so you can feel extra close to, you know, your loved one. Yeah, or my side piece. <laughs> they even re uh, release a new design every month. I wear it. Adam wears it. Plus, we all know that paying for shipping sucks, so MeUndies has removed that from the equation. All orders in the U.S. and Canada ship for guess how much? Uh, $50. <laughs> that would be, for one pair of underwear? One that would pair. be insane. Well, they're really Do you not great look at underpants. price tags anymore? My God. No, it's for free. Free? Free. MeUndies even has a money-back guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, you get to keep it for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Well... Other than your life. Okay. And we all lose that. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. So, to sweeten the deal, MeUndies is offering you 20%, that's one-fifth, off your first order at MeUndies.com slash Bono. I wonder if Bono is honored. He, he, I'm sure he is. <laughs> that's a special offer just for our listeners, so make sure you go to MeUndies.com slash Bono to get 20% off your first order and so that they know we sent you. MeUndies! Yay! <laughs> All right, we're back with you talking you two to me. We're in the middle of our uh, extensive interview with the the lovable lads from you two, and Adam and I are just cringing here <laughs> yeah. as we're listening to it. But it's okay. It's we're all right. human. It's we're all human right. beings. It's all right. You know they they weren't that hard on us. They were they were helping us through it. Yeah, they were nice. They were super nice. All right. At this point, I feel like. Uh, it gets a lot looser and a lot easier, and uh, we're on a, a express train to Finishville. Yeah, from here on out. I think so. Right. We may do the rest of it uninterrupted. I'm not sure. Maybe. All right. Let's see. Anyway, right. here we go. This is the conclusion of our conversation with you two. Let's get to some more lighthearted questions. Wait, I, I have, oh, a, I have no? a question just about the the Education. tour. <laughs> um, is, this is where you can reach me now. I'm just, you guys are going to Europe uh, on the next leg. Do you think that song will make it into the set at all? It's going to be called There is Where You Can Reach oh, Me. Okay. <laughs> Under a chicken. I hope so. Yeah. I, I like it a lot, and yeah. we should give it a, a, a run. Uh, we, Great we've bass done a, part. A it's... lot of different, some of the more obscure tracks have have been uh, trotted out. I think we will get to that at some point. It's a, an incredible song. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, is it and Invisible... Are those maybe about the same moment in time for you guys? Uh, They're where, all all, all yeah. set within the same year, probably. Yeah. It it just feels like it's that one that moment where the decision was made that we're gonna leave all of this and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go on the road and we're gonna be a band. Mm -hmm. Those those couple of songs. Yeah, I uh, think that's good true. theory, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let's see. <laughs> Okay, so that that is a moment where I had a question connected to that thought, and 
just ran, ran out of steam got and ran freaked out, out and <laughs> ran out of nerve. The question was going to be like, if that decision wasn't made, what do you guys think you would be? Because right. there's just that moment where they decide, fuck it, fuck all y'all, we're going to be a band. What if they you, said it just like that? Fuck all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what if you didn't do that? What would you guys be doing now? But I just kind of got l- lost in the mire of uh, my stupid thoughts and <laughs> forgot to ask a question. <laughs> and you made fun of me for it. All right, let's go back. All right, let's see. <laughs> so more lighthearted questions. It's great to be at your last uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so <laughs> I mean, what have you guys learned from doing all these podcasts? We well, learned that, that people coming to the end of it. There's a great appetite for that two Scott, guys just dicking around. <laughs> I've learned that Scott's kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that about myself as well. <laughs> um, do you guys? Do you guys? Uh, you've been famous longer than you've not been famous at this point in your life. Do you guys miss like going to to a Chipotle? You know. <laughs> How bourgeois of you. Like a 7-Eleven? Do you, <laughs> I you do. Know? I do. I do the odd time. I was wandering around New York City yesterday. You do miss it or you go Not, to Chipotle? I had no trouble. I went to the gym this morning. You yeah. did? Yeah. You're looking great, by the Thank way. Thank you. You're sort of a, sort of a brag. But, oh, stop. <laughs> but do you guys get to, do you get those moments where you can just walk around and, or do you have to be in dis- disguise? Just, I think you can take them. You can take those moments. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's, as, there's as much, if not more, good stuff that comes with, you know, people, people sort of giving goodwill in your direction as, as to yeah. bad stuff. You know? Adam's, Adam's new reality show. It's, it's really, you really got you to you see it. It's, it's, it's mostly it. him walking naked in his kitchen. Oh, and, uh, but he has yeah, dresses. There are robes for uh, earlier when you know, he's got a sort of PLG or whatever you call it version um, where you're in the robe. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, PG. PG. That's Is that for I mean. ABC Family? But the PLG version sounds interesting <laughs> as well. I might get a think, robe for that. Yeah, that's a juice for when you really return to the infant. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for the wrapping episode where you're wrapping all the presents. Yeah, I think myself and Sharon Osborne could really kind of Fantastic. do that together. That would be good. Uh, Rattle and Hum, are you guys doing a deluxe reissue? Is that the plan to do it for every record? Good question. We've, we've kind of got busy, so we haven't really thought too much about that. What have you been that, up to? So, uh, <laughs> it's a long story, but uh, we, we, I'm sure we'll get to, to, to do something, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it deserves it. Yeah. It's a, just a great kind of underrated record. All right, Adam. Son of a bitch. Your interview style seems to just be compliments. <laughs> you too is here. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, you've written songs for the, for the stage. You've written songs for films. You've been in Entourage. Do you guys want to EGOT? That's winning, winning an Emmy, a Grammy, uh, an Oscar, and a Tony. I think of myself as a slashy, you know? <laughs> Musician slash slash award winner award winner slash mm. composer because you you guys were style all, icon you would all have to like do a guest spot on Modern Family or something if you mm. want to get a, a get a, an, a real Emmy, Emmy. right yeah. that is a really great show it's <laughs> oh, what's it's what's your dark. favorite TV show do you watch TV shows that's one of them that's one of them mm. do you watch I TV don't... shows that like the two of us might happen to be on well, ever you know I, I I in preparing for this moment I didn't. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so much of our podcast is about us 
rating you guys' work and ranking you guys' work. And we've gone over like, okay, these are our top, uh, you know, songs in order. Do you guys rank your own material like that? Like if, if I asked you, could, could you say your top three U2 songs? You could ask. Okay, shall I? What are your top three U2 songs? I didn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, again, that kind of changes. But as far as playing, mm-hmm. straight out of the, the bat, um, I really like playing Cedarwood Road. Nice. I really like playing One. And I really like um, playing Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Fantastic. So that's today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow it will be different. All right, we'll check back with you tomorrow. Do, please. <laughs> I really don't like singing Miss Sarajevo if Luciano Pavarotti is not around. He's sort of the star of that one. But that's one of my favorite U2 songs. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I'm, I'm very moved. There's another one called uh, Stay, Far Away So Close, mm-hmm. from Zeropa. That's one of my favorite U2 songs. And I think probably up there for me at the moment... And maybe number one, just because it, it takes me to a very special place every time I sing it, is Every Breaking Wave. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Edge? Um, probably Running to Stand Still. Um, mm. And Until the End of the World. Um, and then probably... Just because it's so much fun to play where the streets have no name. Mm-hmm. We saw you do that in LA where you walked off the stage while you were playing it. And I guess the radio transmission of it just kept kind of playing in the stadium. God. I think that was, still that was still what I'm looking for. Just sorry. Oh, yeah. We was still it? haven't found what I'm looking for. I think. Wow, was yeah, it really? Yeah, yeah. Should I pay attention more? <laughs> I was just, we have the radio leads so you can actually I could have kept playing almost all the way to the car park um, but at a certain point it would start breaking up at a certain point it just cut out in yeah, the middle, yeah. in never the skips a beat the edge yeah. Yeah. Adam what are your three songs uh, I, I'm going to choose some obscure ones uh, I would say Heartland uh, oh, yeah. I would say uh, A Man and a Woman mm. and Moment of Surrender Nice. You know, we, we were talking earlier how we feel like Adam is kind of the star of this new album. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty like on Iris, it's it's incredible. It's like you're doing a few things at once. It's almost like you're um commenting on reflecting back to the boy October war days and then sort of commenting on it and doing something new as well. Was it, was it particularly, was this record particularly fun, fun for you? It's just, there's so much happening Um, on the album. Well, I think I I was very lucky in that there was some really great collaborators. I mean, I think Danger Mouse, um, Brian Burton, you know, he really listens to the bass. So I felt there was a lot of room there. And he and Larry worked really hard on, you know, great drum parts. So that that was good. Um, then uh, Paul Epworth, when he came in, he kind of paid attention to the bottom end. So, I mean, I I think I'd, I have come out of this record very well, yeah. um, but I couldn't I couldn't really say why. I've just hung around long enough, and the parts got used. <laughs> That's great. Do you sit around at home, like, coming up with bass parts? Like, ooh, this is going to blow them away. Bow, 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 bow. 
Actually, I find it really hard to practice. Yeah. yeah. By the way, that bass part that he just used, said with his voice, uh -huh. you can't use that. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Stay away from that. I, I, I have to say, because I don't practice, I, I tend to find that it's, it's the solutions to playing around the problem that create something more interesting. So it's it's almost like. Are you uh, saying we're the problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just. Um, I think he is. <laughs> I think, so, I I think he is. We are. And this problem. was the day that you two broke up <laughs> because of our podcast. No one would ever forgive us. No one thought that this podcast would outlast you Some too. <laughs> what do you guys do when you're just like sitting around at home? Like, what time do you get up in the morning? Do a podcast, you know, over mm. the breakfast uh, table. I'm an early I'm riser. I get early. up very early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Larry's Count Dracula, he uh, gets up the latest. Mm -hmm. I go to bed the latest. I basically I turned it around. I used to be the, um, you know that, you know when you, s you start something and you're so enthusiastic. And I was very enthusiastic at the beginning, at the beginning of this um, journey. So I used to turn up for rehearsals on time. I would turn up for the gigs on time. <laughs> nice. But these right guys day. never did. When was that, Ever. in the 80s? 70s, 70s into right, the 80s. Okay. And so after 10 years, I basically decided that I was going to be late. Unfortunately, I've never recovered. <laughs> and I am constantly late. I go to bed late. I get up late. Um, the man I'm in charge of timing. Mm. Right. Yeah. So is everybody always late to everything? So every no, it's just Larry. Just Larry. <laughs> God damn it, Larry. I know. <laughs> Actually, I'm not much better, but I, I, I think I try a little harder. I also realized something that I'm, I used to be really organized. And uh, I, I was in the wardrobe area in Madison Square Gardens and where the um, wardrobe um, girls were pointing out that I had the most untidy wardrobe case and it was very hurtful. <laughs> really? For me, yeah. oh, All so the sorry. other guys, even Bonos, was tidier than mine. <laughs> oh. When I shared with Larry, he, he used to pack my case because he couldn't stand the sight of it exploded. So you would fold Bonos' clothes? It wasn't folding, but I mean, it, it was like a it was like a suitcase um, scrunched down. So as soon as he would open it, shit would fly <laughs> everywhere. And then he'd just leave it. And then we'd have to get on the bus. And he would have disappeared off somewhere, basically being all arty, you know, <laughs> some cafe with, you know. And, I, and somebody said, we've got to get the bus in five minutes. So I was going to have to pack his shit up. And there are people still doing it to this day. We had, we had an amazing moment with Frank Sinatra. And Larry asked him about Buddy Rich. And Buddy Rich maybe had just died or something. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. And he just went into one about Buddy Rich. And it turns out that he and Buddy had shared rooms and they were always firing shit out of windows. Really? And, yeah, and fights together. I remember at, that. Wow. At each other and it would. Come I out think the they way? had some, there was some fracas and there wow. was some, but they, he, he, he spoke about it very affectionately. Have you ever heard that tape of Buddy Rich yelling at his band? No. Isn't that where that movie, that, the whole movie, um, what's it called? The movie about the, the drummer. Oh, uh, Drumtown. No. No, no that, that's one Drum of my favorite Town. films. <laughs> Drumline. The, the, oh, Drumline. No, I'm no, not no, talking it's about called, It's called the Shush. Oh, oh, oh. oh uh, the new, the yeah, new the J.K. Simmons, yes, the yes, Just Kidding Simmons. Simmons movie. Now, this is <laughs> Whiplash. 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 This yes. is an extraordinary actor and in an extraordinary part. Uh, that film's yeah, it's great. Very, movie. very special. Yeah.
another episode of I Love Films. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Snuck it in there. Yeah, great app. <laughs> Thanks. So you guys say that Songs of Experience is coming next year. Well, we hope so. I'm unreliable. At Will this. you promise us? I think it'd be good. Can, yeah. um, I think it'd be, things will be really good. I, mean, I have, have questions for yeah. you guys. Yeah, please. Because I, I think it's going to come down to a very straightforward uh, decision at a certain point. Because um, we have a lot of great material, as we did um, when we went in to start working on Zeropa. And uh, when we made Zeropa, we, we played a trick on ourselves. We said, okay, we're going to put out an EP. It's just going to be six, six tracks. That's it. And we're going to finish it really fast because we've got all this great stuff left over from Acting Baby. And we've got a couple of new ideas. So we'll, we'll steam in. We won't spend a lot of time with just six tracks. And then we got the six tracks really quick. And then Bono came to me and says, Ed, you know, those six tracks came through really fast. But, you know, we actually have another four amazing tracks. If we just pushed a little harder, this could be an album. And I thought about it. I mean, he's absolutely right. We really could do this if we're willing to make decisions quickly and push through and not think about things too, too much. So I think we're kind of almost there again. We could for sure put out an album in the short term, but it would have to be if we weren't going to think it was kind of, you know, one of those albums that had to be absolutely perfect. Absolutely. But does that get in the way sometimes where, like, you're you too? Yeah, You've well, made some of the greatest songs, we rock have, and roll songs we have baggage. ever. We have baggage. Do you, do you feel that pressure of, like, this has got to be a U2 record? This has got to be as good as everything we've ever put out? We, we made a few albums where we, we thought they were um, more experimental and that they would be viewed in a different way. And we... So we, we uh, you know, I would say No Line in the Horizon started out as a very experimental work and, and we, we sort of put it out in that spirit and then we realized, you know, they're just U2 albums. No one's really thinking, well, the, the lads are up to something, you know, different this time so we have to think about it in a different way. Mm-hmm. They don't think, no one thinks like that. It's like, is it a U2 album? If, if so, I wanted to, you know, have great songs and do certain things. Zeropa had some great songs, but it is pretty experimental in places. So I love that question. record. That's, that's actually, for me, I like it a little better than Octoon Baby, strangely enough. I, I just have to cut in here, I, I, and I wish I said it at the time. Uh, who cares? <laughs> I'm trying to be supportive and tell him that risks... When you when you take risks, it pays dividends. Yeah, but who, who gives a shit? Yeah, I know. All right, back to it. But I I really like it when there's a very short period of time between records because then you sort of view it through the prism of oh right. these guys are putting out a lot of material instead of you mentioned No Line on the Horizon. It had been seven years uh, before the previous record, and it, it just then it becomes an event. Then it's right. like you two has a new record. We have to judge it on kind of, is this the best U2 record of all time? Whereas gotcha. if you guys put out a record next year, it would be like, oh, great, more stuff. You know, it would, I think it would be really cool. That's a good answer. Okay. Please? You've got to get your facts right, pal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think yeah. it was seven years between No Line in the Horizon and Songs of Innocence. Is that you right? No, I'm getting old. Or for six years. Mm-hmm. Something like that? Five years. Bono five says years. five years. Okay, five so five years. years in between. Yeah, which is and still- that's by the way inexcusable. Not facts that they're fair. 
but taking five years is too right. Long. Well, you guys and used to be on a on a yeah, one album it's, a year. It's, thing. it's not right, and 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 it's uh, you know the only thing that's worse than it is a shite album. Okay, but 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 it's still not right, and we have momentum. This is right now our band has never been this. Well, the band actually have been this good. Uh, to be honest, I haven't been this good. As a, as a singer, I know that uh, if I still have my voice at the end of this tour, we can we can make our best album, and uh, that's what we've got to do. Is that one of the advantages to recording while you're on the road? Is that you don't have the time to sit in there for weeks and, and screw weeks? It up. Yeah, you just kind of pop in and pop out, and I'm, that's I'm why Zuropa sure still sounds fresh. Well, Zuropa was a lot of stuff that um, we had started work on. For acting baby and never got round to finishing. So stay was actually a, a verse that had been proposed for uh, I think it was light my way, ultraviolet light my way, hmm. and we wow. loved it, but we didn't think it fitted for that song. So we just lay there for a while, and then we um, we got a call from Vim Vendors saying, you know, would you write us a song for Far, far Away So Close, the, the follow up to Wings of Desire, and we dug out that verse and I worked on some piano ideas and then played it to Bono and we started jamming on this sort of almost Sinatra type approach to, to the song and hey presto this 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 song came out of it which we is a really great song I think it's another yeah oh this is another episode of I oh Love yeah Films. I love Films. Wow, we're really sneaking them in here. <laughs> Three episodes of I Love Films. This that is incredible. The one incredible. Podcast. Wow. <laughs> we're doing well. Do you guys, do you get surprised when uh, a song comes out and you're like, whoa, this is really good? You mean somebody else's? <laughs> <laughs> no, ours, yes. Um, it, Does it just it's hard to on? like one of your own songs on the radio. Yeah. But, but are you talking about when we're When you're writing, it? yeah. Do you, do you just, do, is it kind of like you're just trying stuff, trying stuff, and then... There's something there, and you yeah. just go, I, I can't believe that just came out of us. Yeah, you, I mean, it, it, we're kind of junkies for that moment. As Bono said, you know, you're waiting for, for magic to happen, and sometimes it happens, and you, you have no idea why that day something special occurred and why the following day you just sound like a bunch of amateurs just hammering away and nothing great is going on. So it is... Um, it's frustrating at times, but when something does arrive that is powerful, we know it. That's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever miss something really that has a, a special quality. It's like that's maybe above everything else the thing that is essential to being in a, in a band and being a songwriter is knowing when you've hit on something good. Is it... Challenging for you guys, when, like a song like California, that I was just kind of blown away by the energy of it when I, the, I remember the first time hearing the song. And it's like you guys harnessed the might and the power of the band, yet pushed it in this direction of almost pop confection. It, mm -hmm. It's this, it's this, it, I, I hadn't heard it out of you guys in quite that direct a way before. And it, it, it um, I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy tonight had that same energy. Is that, 
challenging to harness the might of the band and push it in, in that direction, which is sometimes, you know, different than where you might naturally go. If the song, you know, asks for that energy, yeah. we, 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 you know, it's fine. But sometimes um, it's exhausting if you're trying to play your way to a song. Right, right, it, right. You know, that. But that's that, a bass part that you've picked up on uh-huh. that propels it. Yeah. yeah. The ba bow that one it's, it's still mine it, it, <laughs> yeah. can't use it it's kind nope. of it's kind of a Ramon song yeah know, in a way California yeah. I'm I mean, glad yeah. you mentioned California yeah. it just it's it's just it's hard to I'm, I'm still able to enjoy I'm able to enjoy the new songs just older songs I can't I'm still in the phase of being able to enjoy the new yeah. album and I'm that one really takes me away yeah it's fun mm. it's a fun fun song well we I think we got to wrap it up. Okay. But sure. I have, by the way, I was looking at my, my, my phone, not out of rudeness, but I'm looking at it to see if I have a few songs of experience, which what? when we wrap up, we, really? we could play. Oh, that oh would be God. amazing. Yeah. Oh, my of God. Course. Well, actually, if we are going to wrap up, we did just bring you some stuff. We, what? We, we heard you were looking, uh, looking for some, what? some merch. We call we got, it swag. Swag. just gave us a, a, a huge, uh, it appears to be a swag bag. bag. <laughs> With what is holy, what is this in here? Shit. Scott, well, the problem is that we've run out of t-shirts because they've been selling like hotcakes. So we just bought oh some God. other uh, stuff. You guys, you know. this wow. is so nice. So, so you Thank well you. So, so no t-shirts. So well, that's still this is better than t-shirts. Well, this this is better. We have like four. Oh hats my God! Look at all bags. There's are there mugs in there? Yeah, yeah there are mugs. Oh my God! There's a, a tour book. This YouTube. is incredible. Thank you so much. Thank I mean, you, you guys. This is this is incredible. Do you above have, and beyond. Do you have any? This may be our final episode ever. I don't know how you mm. top it. Do you have any uh, advice to us? Uh, you know, obviously, we've been listening to you since we were just little boys, and we, and we wanted to be big boys, and we were inspired by you, and we were like, we want to be big boys, and we want to do be artists like them. Do you have Do you have advice for us about? Being an artist and, and an artist's life, and what is it all about? I th- Staying together is crucial. <laughs> Don't break you guys up with have, You can't break up. Unfortunately, this is it for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should, you should, the least you could do after, after this is, is do um, podcasts for all the videos, for all the Every live, video you've made. Every video we've made. For, and then Magic every tricks on the radio. Live, sorry? Magic tricks on the radio. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and every um, live DVD. And, okay. And I think this could go on for a long time. I think you're basically, what you're doing is, I, I think you're, 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 you're disenfranchising a lot of people out there, and I think you owe it to them to could carry this on. You know yeah. what? You're right, and we're going to do that. This, is, yeah. uh, this may be the end of the season, but we're going to have a season two where we just go over everything. Where we describe every time you guys have been on television or in movies, <laughs> we are going to do, It's going to be like audio commentary of your entire, entire media lives. life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds like a, that's a great idea. Okay, fantastic. So <laughs> thanks so much, guys. It's yeah. such a pleasure. Yeah, we, just, we just brought you out of retirement then. Yeah, yeah thanks. Pretty much. You were just about to go in You're there. inspiring us to keep carrying. On. Yeah, this has been fantastic. We want to thank, of course, Bonobos, uh, Thedge, and uh, Adam Clay, two thousand pounds, and, and Larry Mullen, senior son. Thank you so thank much. Thank you guys. so much, you guys. Thank, uh, thank big you. pleasure. Thank you, thank us. guys. To the Scott, thank you, Scott, thank Scott you and Scott. Much. Yes, thank you so much, guys. Wow. Okay. There. Are, what? You know what? Scott, so much to break Scott, down. Scott. Yes. What? 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 They didn't give us any fucking t-shirts. Did bro. you notice that? 
No they fucking didn't give us t-shirts? the fucking thing. I have the bag right here. You you have mugs. You have tour program. You have hats. You even have a U2 cool flask. Which what about the fucking t-shirts, bro? Zero percent t-shirts, bro. What the fuck? This, you know, they were telling us to keep doing this podcast. We got to keep doing it to get them back on to get some of these freaking t-shirts. I will not stop until I get those goddamn t-shirts. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, that That's, you know, it was a cool experience and everything, but it really soured it at the end. Yeah, I mean, we, they, we, we, we went all the way out there. They went to the trouble of coming to the studio. A couple we blocks just, down to the and, studio. And we, we... we they couldn't bring any fucking T-shirts. Yeah. And and did you notice this? No college girls. Not one. Not co- one college girl. Well, Laura went to college. That's true. But you know what? Oh, I'm presuming. I we were being polite, saying like, "Oh, this is better than this t-shirts. is better than T-shirts." Bullshit. Man, it, 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 I was just boiling. My blood was boiling. I I, I could barely speak to them yeah, after that. I couldn't keep it together. Okay. Well, that was that was uh, obviously. Really cool of them to do. Really fun to listen to. I hope you guys thought it was fun to listen to. But we do want to talk. Bono, at the end there, said he wanted to play us songs from the new album. We need to take a break. When we come back, we will talk about what he did after that and where we went after that to see something else cool. And then uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, just what we think about the whole experience. So let's take a break. We'll be right back with more You Talking You Two to me. Hey, Adam. Hey, Scott. Guess what? Uh, I got some news. Oh, okay. It's not, no, it's not bad news. Oh, great. No, it's actually great news. Oh, okay. Great. Well, yeah, today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Oh, <laughs> okay. I think that's great news for me, and it's great news for our listeners because Audible has over 180,000. That's right, not just over 180, over 180,000 titles to choose from, from which to wow. choose. Wow. Yeah. So here's what you do. You go to audible.com slash Bono. Easy to remember. He's the lead singer of Hugh 2 Right. Audible. Audible. By the way, we should not say that Audible is the lead singer of U2. We no, it's, want, it's Bono. Bono is. So audible.com slash Bono, and you're going to get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. How bitchin' is that? That's bitchin', Scott. <laughs> okay, if you need a place to start, why not start uh, at Between the World and Me by Tana Sai Coates. Can't wait. <laughs> Tana Sai Coates is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely my favorite author. I'm assuming that is an author and a person <laughs> and not a computer program <laughs> who was designed to write books. a book. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a profound work written as a letter to his son that pivots from the biggest questions about American history and ideals to the most intimate concerns of a father for his son. Wow, that sounds powerful. Sounds powerful. Ta-Nehisi Ta-Nehisi Coates. That's the dude. Can't wait. If you're still not convinced, here's why Audible is worth I'm your time. I'm not convinced. Convinced. If you're still not convinced. Here's okay. Here's why it's worth your time. Unlike a streaming or a rental service, yeah, fuck with, that shit. <laughs> with Audible, you own your books. 
So yeah. it's, you know what I mean? You're not going to be like, oh, I can't own my books anymore. Uh, people, oh. I'm so sick of people saying that. <laughs> can't own my books, mommy. Free apps for iPhones, Android, and Windows phones so you can access your books anytime. I I use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet you do. How about this? Do you use this? The WhisperSync technology. I, I just listened to the Steve Martin uh, autobiography, Born the Standing Born Up. Born Standing Up. Yeah, that's a great book. Did they have that on Audible? Yeah. Oh, man. And he reads it. He reads it? And he does some of his old bits. Forget this Ta-Nehisi, dude. It's great. Go listen to Steve Martin. Why are you wasting your time on Ta-Nehisi? Uh, WhisperSync, I want to talk about that. You can bounce back and forth between the audiobook and the ebook. So say you're you're like reading your book sure. at home and you're like, I just want to read this. And then, oh man, I got to go to work. I'm going to go to work. Pick it back up in your car and just listen to it. Yep. That's the way to do it. Easy chapter navigation, annotated bookmarks. And if you don't like what you choose, no problem. With Audible's great listen guarantee, you can exchange any book you're not happy with for another title anytime. And get this, no questions asked. They're not going to ask you, hey, wait a minute. Hey, or like, hey, what's your name? (laughs) Well, they may have to ask that in order to give you your book back. Then (laughs) what's your credit card number? They don't ask any of that. No, well, they're going to need to know that information to credit you back. What's your your email address? Uh, Again, well, yeah, these, okay, you're right. So some questions asked, but none about why you want to exchange your book. Right, right, okay, I got it. Right, right. So go to audible.com slash Bono for a free 30-day trial and a free audio book. Audible, you got to get it. You talking you two to me? I, don't know, I think this still sounds good with all the instrumentation. I agree. I I like this. Version. I don't think the album is overproduced. Yeah, neither do I. All right, we're back. Uh, Scott and Scott here, and you just heard our astounding to us uh, interview with you two. And um, you know, the second half, I thought we kind of did it did an okay job i'm gonna leave it up to the listeners yeah uh, i don't want to review it, it ourselves there are still embarrassing things but it, just the experience of it and they were the, the fact that they were as cool as they were made the whole thing really great and another part of the experience that we want to talk about is what happened directly after so bono said to us hey by the way i started thinking these guys are enormously present during this interview. They're not, you know, looking at their phones or anything. But in the last two minutes, Bono started looking at his phone. I was like, oh, maybe I should wrap it up. But he was literally looking for songs to play us that he had on his phone from the new record. Yeah. So he took us into the control booth and he said, I'm just going to play you two snippets of two songs. Right. And then proceeded to get so into it and so into our reaction he played us four complete songs. I thought it was five. It was four. It was four. Okay. Yeah. But uh, played us four whole songs. Yes. While like air drumming. Yeah. Singing right into our ears. Singing singing the lyrics, singing along with the songs into our ears, like in our faces and sometimes yelling out like, this is my favorite moment in a U2 song ever coming up right here. No, not this. Not right you know, here, right here, yeah, right, right here. here. Turn it up, and then he would turn it up it really was loud, so loud. And then explaining the lyrics, yeah. like shouting the lyrics in our ears and explaining and what it was he just meant the by three them. Of us, and it was just us. You had uh, I did, uh, Adam was watching. I did note it after a while. I turned around, and Adam was like two feet behind, two feet, us. and just like kind of enjoying our. Yeah. 
our our watching of it, and then he like waved and said and like intimated he had a really good time, yeah, and then and then took off. Um, and it was just uh, you know we've read about those types of things where where if an album is coming out soon, Bono will do that to a journalist or something. It was so crazy to experience. Yeah, it was really fun, and he was he was really into it. And the okay, should we talk a little we, about the songs? We can talk generally about the songs. He played us, uh, uh, I believe, three from the new album and one that he's working on for something else. And the first one, just like totally kick-ass, like album opener type thing. Yeah, it it was like a little more experimental. Huge drums, huge drums. We talked about the drums that we were like, this drum pattern is amazing. And he got very excited about the drums yeah. and started talking about them. And, and how- he said, "This is my favorite drum." breakdown on a U2 album yeah. ever. And then he said his favorite sonic part of any U2 That's album ever at, at some point. Yeah, it was uh and we were just like all we could say was like wow, this sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, then he played us he said okay, that's more of the rock thing. Here's more of a pop song and he played us the best song as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I I feel like if this isn't the next single then, then what are crazy. We, what are we doing with our lives? Because this this was a perfect pop song. It's very very pretty. catchable, very pretty, but also like one of those kind of driving anthemic songs. Yes. I mean it was it was a really, really beautiful song and so catchy and uh, yeah. And he was, was singing along. He told us what the lyrics meant and yeah. what and what other song that it sort of related to. Yeah. Um, and that was supposed to be it. But and he, he was only supposed to play the, a snippet. He played the entire thing. The entire song. Because we were getting so into it. And that was supposed to be it. And then at a certain point, one of his team members said, hey, Bono, we have to go. And he was like, no, no, no. I want to play him just – Short snippets of a couple other, and then he played yeah. us just two complete other yeah. songs. Yeah, while while singing it, explaining how they recorded it, and uh, one of those songs was like a big epic U two song, mm-hmm. like a big you can see an arena just going crazy for yeah. one of these big anthemic huge songs. It was it was like a classic U two song, but also a little more experimental than Songs of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Still, it was. An incredible moment. We were just sitting there beaming. I was sort of like jumping up and down yeah. during during one of the big songs. And there were, uh, you know, a couple of the engineers there were like watching this like, I had no idea this was going to happen. Yeah. And they were smiling. And, and at one point, Bono even turned and was like, Adam, you haven't heard this yet, right? Right, yeah. Adam hadn't heard the new version of yeah. it. It was just really crazy. And, and so as far you know, as far as we can tell, these four songs, there are four very finished mm-hmm. uh songs uh, songs of experience songs. Yeah, I, I expected them to be a little more like, well, we don't know what we're doing with yeah. this one or we did like they're this Those, this record sounds very close to being complete. Yeah. And it sounds different than Songs of Innocence, but definitely a companion piece. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think this is gonna go nicely with Songs of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it was great. I hope that they put it out uh next year. How crazy was that that Edge was asking our opinion about whether they should do it or not? I and hope he, I, what you said about, you know, it coming out soon, it's not gonna going to be judged as harshly because it's not hasn't taken five years. It that watching him 
hear that. He was like it, nodding along and sort of pointing at Bono, like, "Yeah, yeah, this is it, this is what I'm talking about." I could tell it was landing with him. Yeah. Um, should we go through this bag? Yeah. Go. Well, go ahead and go through the bag. I, I talk, haven't looked at this yet. I want to talk about some other stuff. Okay. Um, so then after that, here's what happened. Um, they there was a party at a club a few blocks away that was happening right then that was for the website at u2.com which has been around for 20 years it was their 20th anniversary party they uh, had all the people from the site there all big u2 fans and they had a u2 tribute band called the unforgettable fire there right. who was playing the party right now unbeknownst to everyone except for the club the club were the only people who oh, knew this was going to oh i didn't even know happen. they knew yeah, the club knew because because Laura and everyone had worked it out beforehand. Um, they had to with the club. Uh, other than that, no one knew what was going to happen, which is basically uh, in the middle of the band's performance, uh, someone from U2's team came over to their technician, I believe, and said, hey, uh, I work with U2, and U2's guitar tech is coming and wants to maybe play where the streets have no name with the band. Do you think they'd be into that? And now U2's guitar tech is very well known yeah. with U2 fans. And so they were saying, oh, definitely, that would be amazing. So they gave guitar specs for how supposedly the guitar tech was wanted the guitar to sound and, and you know put it through the pedals and all the specs that they right. needed. So they tell the band, and the band is really excited, and so they introduce the guitar tech who comes out on stage. Dallas. Dallas. Something? Uh, yeah. Yes. Obviously very well known to YouTube fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, he comes out on stage. He fiddles around with the guitar, makes sure, makes sure that it sounds the way it's supposed right, to sound. Right. And then Edge and Adam walk out on stage, this little tiny club, surprising the band, surprising the fans. And we're in the back of the club at that point watching right. it. It was incredible. And, and the, it wasn't that many people. I mean, the club it, was like it, half full. It, it, I mean, when you say it's half full, it's 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 a place that's sort of like the Roxy or whatever. And and the even smaller, I'd say maybe yeah. And by the stage was enormous. You know, it was packed with people, and people were like climbing up on top of things yeah. in order to get better views of it. But to hear. These guys, and they're playing it with, you know, like a tribute band, drummer and singer, yeah. who are just having the time of their lives. And meanwhile, the guitarist and the bass player of the tribute band, they're not playing, but they are like, can't on believe stage. this is happening. They're on stage. They play Where the Streets Have No Name, which sounds incredible. Sounds in great. A, the in singer was club. terrific, by the way. The singer was great. And uh, then they they take pictures with the band and it was the loudest I'd ever heard a small room of people chanting one more song, yeah. one more song. So they play out of control after that. Um, and it was just, and then they just walk off back into the night and the band had to follow that. Yeah. They were like, okay, well let's play some more songs, I guess. Um, but it was, it was just really, really fun and cool to see them out there doing stuff like that. And it was I, cool. Cause we went in, we drove over with, uh, Laura and another person who works for you too, and walked in right as they were taking the stage. And, uh, and so it was kind of cool because we had just finished interviewing them like 40 minutes prior. Right. And so, had been listening to these new songs and were still reeling from this. Yeah. And just to watch them go straight from that to hopping up on stage, making everyone's 
Dead. year. Yeah, year. Yeah, life. And then just I mean, yeah, popping off stage and, and taking off. Yeah, and I know the people at, at U2.com really appreciated that and thought it was oh, a, yeah. a nice tribute to them. Uh, so that was really awesome. And, uh, you know, I thought it was it was just a really cool experience for us to get to see, you know, see both of those two things, which is yeah. basically the band being loose, having fun with fans, doing a show like ours, which they don't need to do, right. and just having fun with it. So I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was it was all all really fun and really cool. And so this may be the final episode of this season. Maybe we'll yeah. do some more. Who knows? I guess it all depends on what happens, what what I don't know, maybe we do another episode for the European tour if they change things. Sure, or, or you know, indefinitely if they come out with a new record next year. Yeah. And, and who knows, maybe we'll do a different band. We don't know. Yeah. But I, I did want to say that I think this this whole experience of just doing the show, you reached out to me uh, and said, hey, I want to do a, essentially like a side podcast, just like a side project that neither of us thought anyone would listen to. Right. Uh, and the the trying to get the band on the show was sort of a joke yeah. at the top. But I think it, it really bespeaks to the power of fandom where where something like this can happen to two to two people. I think and what what I mean by that is, is like I go to Comic-Con every year and I see people who are just passionate about things and who who like things. Yeah. And there's so much of People out there saying, well, this sucks, this sucks, I hate this movie, or this TV show sucks. It's really cool when people can just be passionate about stuff. And not everyone who listens to this show has been on board with what we're passionate about, yeah. but they like hearing us talk about this. And yeah. we've converted a lot of people. And I read that on Twitter all the time, and people send us letters saying – I never thought that I would ever even own a U2 album, and now I own the entire catalog, and yeah. I listen to them all the time. I just think it's it's cool to see stuff like this, you know, where people can start something to just talk about something they like and have an experience like this is just incredible to me. Yeah, I and I think something that I couldn't articulate at the time uh, because I could barely articulate anything, but you kind of – uh, in a funny way, alluded to it at the end of the interview, which was, you know, we did grow up watching these guys, and and there's this one of the special things about this particular band is is from the very beginning, and I've seen them play a bunch of times. I've seen them play, you know, in the Pop Mart tour when there was huge sections of the stadium that were empty. I've seen them play in moments of triumph, but I've never seen them play where they weren't playing as if their very lives depended on it. And I think that's part of what inspired me as a kid watching them um, kind of doing what they love and doing it uh, with with every ounce of uh, energy that they have. And there is something genuinely inspiring about that. And I think that even though we're in like totally different fields, there is something, some re genuine inspiration there for for people who want to go pursue what they love. And and I think that you took that kind of inspiration and you were in that Hellraiser movie. Yeah. I took that inspiration and I completely squandered it <laughs> on garbage. 
<laughs> well, I think, you know, just uh, an episode like this and, and looking at Kumail, who has his X-Files podcast, and he yeah. now is on the yeah. X-Files. Yeah. I think the lesson here is if you ever want to meet a celebrity, start a podcast about them. Just start talking about how awesome they are uh, <laughs> in a public forum. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing is, it's not like we tried super hard to get the. It's not like we were chasing them down. They were really cool and kind of met us halfway. That's part of the cool thing about it was, the fact that it, it was happened. really incredible to have them put that much work into finding out what I had for lunch and and what, you know, you eat during the episodes. And I mean they they really went above and beyond to to make us feel comfortable and to to make it a good experience for yeah, us. It was, it was really fun. Yeah, it was really great. Well, I think that's just about it. Um, um and and in the meantime, I've taken the contents of these bags out. There's hats, there's buttons, there's even a, a, a innocence and experience uh, necklace, there's some water bottles, uh, and I can confirm that there are no fucking no t-shirts. Fucking t-shirts, yeah. It's disappointing. I mean, it, it, that's the real lesson about all this. Those, Bring the t-shirts next time. Wait, they're just trying to get at us, They're Scott. just, uh, that's how I feel. I think those four guys are trying to fuck with us. I think the whole thing about them running out of t-shirts, that might have been fake. I think that was bullshit, man. Oh, man. This is, it, it really gets under my skin. Well, you know what? That's going to be it for this extra jumbo-sized episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. And uh, that's going to be it. And any final words? Uh, just want to say thank you, Scott. This is a this has been so fun. Yep. Thank you. And uh, we do want to say that if you're out there listening to this show, that we really hope that you have found what you're looking, looking for. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Need something new to read? Don't forget that Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from. So go to audible.com slash Bono for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. And now with WhisperSync technology, you can bounce back and forth between the audiobook and ebook without losing your place. With easy chapter navigation and annotated bookmarks, never losing your place again. What's not to love? Audible also offers a great listen guarantee. You can exchange any book you're not happy with for another title, anytime, no questions asked. What are you waiting for? Go to audible.com slash Bono for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. This summer. You sent her, you monster. The world's greatest screenwriters. So it appears it is to be a chess match, after all. And Hollywood's brightest actors. How do you just stop believing in it all? Will come together. Eventually, you will slip. In a cinematic explosion. I hope you trip and break your bloody stiff neck. The likes of which podcasting has never seen. End of the goddamn world, huh? The Blacklist Table Reads takes the best screenplays from the famous Blacklist website and brings them to life with cream-of-the-crop talent and beautiful sound design. It's like a movie for your ears. You have no idea how committed we are. The story continues every week with a new movie every month. The Blacklist Table Reads, hosted by me, Franklin Leonard, and not in the movie trailer voice. Check it out on iTunes at wolfpop.com or on your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you there.
This has been an Earwolf Media production. Executive producers Jeff Ulrich and Scott Ackerman. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolfradio.com The Wolf Dead. Hey, Queeros, it's me, Cami Esposito, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Query. You can sit in on hour-long conversations between me, Cameron Esposito, and some of the brightest luminaries in the LGBTQ family. Query explores individual stories of identity, personality, and the shifting cultural matrix around gender, sexuality, and civil rights. Plus, it is fun. We have had some incredible guests. Uh, Emmy winner Lena Waithe? Yes, definitely. Congressman Mark Takano? You bet. Outward creator Eileen Shaken? Yes. President and CEO of Glad Sarah Kate Ellis? We definitely have. We've got celebs. People like Trixie Mattel, Evan Rachel Wood, Tegan and Sarah, the band, and the people separately on two different episodes. We also have activists and change makers in our community. I think it's a one of a kind show full of chats you have never heard before. It's identity, it's community, it's query. You can find query every Monday on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.